podcast i'll be your host again james and i'm joined once again by nate and terry what's up guys so yeah so today we'll just be recapping all the nfl matchups from week 17 we'll be previewing the wildcard weekend matchups uh this week in the playoffs as well as looking at some nba pickups for fantasy and previewing the nhl central division and looking at some injuries for the week uh, let's just hop right into uh, Week 17's matchup. So we'll start with uh, the Ravens and the Bengals. And uh, uh, Terry, could you uh, break down this matchup for us? Um, honestly, it was just a beat down from like start to finish. Um, I think the Ravens had over 400 yards rushing in this 38 to three blowout. Um, this was basically the Lamar Jackson and J.K. Dobbins show. Um, I think Dobbins probably had two touch touchdowns as well as Lamar Jackson just running it on the ground. I think he had over for the season a thousand yards rushing, and I think it, he's what the only quarterback to do it in NFL history at this rate. I think back to back seasons, yeah. Back to back seasons. Well, yeah, that shows you how much of a talent he is, and I guess when he figures out, um, how should I say? passing side of the offense try to get a little bit more accurate and who knows he might have a couple super bowls when his career is all said and done yeah well this this ravens team looked amazing well i know you're a Bengals fan uh what do the Bengals have to look forward to for next season um next year honestly you just gotta look forward to joe burrow and hopefully the weapons around him uh hopefully improves uh, you have T. Higgins, but you hope that Tyler Boyd can just find that uh, flash in the bottle he found probably last year when he was basically the number one option on the team. If you're looking on the defensive side, you got playmakers in uh, Sam Hubbard and then Carl Lawson on the defensive line, and then you're just hoping for the linebacking core to gain more experience. In the secondary, um, I think the lone bright spot this year probably was Jesse Bates. And you just hope he doesn't take unnecessary penalties. Aside from that, um, there's no way that uh, going. <coughs> I'm sorry. Um, only one way, but up, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, that injury to Joe Burrow was very unfortunate this season. Um, to the hopes of Bengals fans, but uh, we hope for a safe recovery from him and just for some progress from that team going forward. Exactly. And Nate, the Cleveland Browns are in the playoffs. How do you feel, man? Happy. This is, I think this is like the best record we've ever had in the regular season too, or at least one of them. Yeah, I know. It's crazy how things went. Yeah, in this game, although Mason Rudolph did start for the Steelers, this was a close game. Um, I know that Cleveland's been dealing with their COVID issues. Um, Baker Mayfield still had a good game, 196 yards, one touchdown. Nick Chubb, 108 yards on the ground and a touchdown. And yeah, this this team really just, uh, they, they got it done when they needed to get it done. And they're in the playoffs now. Um, uh, just your thoughts, I guess, on everything Cleveland's been through this season. Uh, it's been a really up and down season, but I think that... Uh... Baker and the rest of the offense have proved themselves. Um, 
I think that uh, they're just, I think they're going to be better next year, actually, because this is just the first year that they had Stefanski and they already made the playoffs. Yeah, I think Stefanski should be mentioned in some of the coach of the year candidates this year for the work he's done there in Cleveland. Um, getting to the next matchup, the Bills just dominated the Dolphins. The Dolphins actually had a chance to make the playoffs uh, with a win. They, they got hammered uh, 56-26. They actually started Josh Allen in this game for Buffalo. And he just didn't disappoint. Again, 224 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception. Um, and then through the air, Gabriel Davis had 107 yards and a touchdown. John Brown also had uh, a touchdown uh, through the air as well to go with his 72 yards. And Isaiah McKenzie had two touchdowns there also. And like this Buffalo team, they're, they're going into the playoffs with a head of steam. And uh, I mean, if they keep it up, they, they could, we could see a deep playoff run from this team. Terry, what are your thoughts? Um, honestly, the Bills are running on all cylinders right now, uh, just with their defense being their defense. And then Josh Allen just carving defenses up through the air. And then you're just hoping for the rushing game with Zach Moss and Devin Singletary just to like provide you with at least, I don't know, maybe 100 yards a game. Uh, it might be for some people uh, over expectations for the running game, but if you just want that balanced attack, I guess that would probably be the main focus probably going into the playoffs, just getting your run game um, some more repetitions and hopefully that they can make a deep run. I mean, they look like probably one of the better teams coming out the AFC and a majority of people could say that they are the team to come for the Super Bowl, if anything, and meet whoever it could be in the NFC. Yeah, just uh, looking at the Dolphins as well, um, they, they had a great season regardless of how this game went. Um, Tua Tagovailoa threw for 361 yards and a touchdown. He also did have three interceptions. I noticed some of those interceptions bounced off the hands of his receivers and went into uh, Bill's uh, players' hands, including that Josh Norman pick six. Um, Nate, what do you think about Tua going forward? And do they need a new play caller for him to reach his full potential? Um, I think he has a lot of potential as a quarterback. Um, I think in terms of play play calling, maybe if they can try to call plays to help him kind of share the wealth of the football and not just target like only a few players, but like try to get him to target every single player. It's going to be really hard to guess where he's going to throw the ball. It's going to make them more dangerous. Yeah, for sure. Um, also, potentially another wide receiver for him, as it seemed like Devontae Parker was the main guy. He was throwing to 116 yards receiving through the air for Parker in this game. Um, moving on to the next game in the slate, uh, the Vikings and the Lions were just playing out the remaining game in each of their slates. It didn't really have any meaning for it. Um, but yeah, um, Terry, I just want to get your thoughts on this game. Um, honestly, you basically covered what uh, this game was all about. It was just two teams that were just uh, just playing out their last game and just trying to get their starters and bench players some reps. Honestly, um, you just hope for the best for these two teams going into next year. Uh, 
with the Minnesota Vikings, I guess you can hope for maybe a little bit of uh, Kirk Cousins to maybe throw it through the air to those um, receivers they have down there, Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, uh, probably lean away from the run game, even though you got a guy by the name of Dalvin Cook down in Minnesota. I mean, this Minnesota offense is just full of talent. And then I believe probably the reason why they didn't make the playoffs is due to a couple of key playmakers on defense just being injured and missing time. Aside from that, uh, if you're a Minnesota fan going into next year, I believe you shouldn't have your head down and just hope for the best. As for this uh, Detroit Lions offense, I mean, or not even offense, their franchise in general, um, I don't even know what to say. Uh, 11 and 5, they're probably lost their last eight of 10 games going into November, give or take. And what was it? They broke a franchise record of allowing over 500 points again. Yeah, it was tough. Yeah. I mean, you're just hoping for probably some sort of rebuild if you're down in uh, Detroit right now. But aside from that, um, better luck next year. Yeah, I, I think I could say the same thing. And um, as for Minnesota, I think you're right. Uh, this offense has been very good. Kirk Cousins, 405 yards for three touchdowns on Sunday. Alex Madison, 95 on the ground in a touchdown and 50 through the air with a receiving touchdown as well. Um, Madison's a great compliment for Dalvin Cook, uh, two very solid running backs for that team. And uh, as was the common theme for this year, Justin Jefferson, 133 yards through the air, Adam Thielen adding 57. And uh, for the Lions, this might actually have been Matty Stafford's last game in a Lions uniform, and he didn't disappoint 293 through the air, passing with three touchdowns and a pick. AP, uh, 63 yards on the ground and a touchdown. DeAndre Swift, 54 on the ground and a touchdown. Marvin Jones, 180 through the air and two touchdowns. And Quintus Cephas, 50 yards and a touchdown. So this Lions team didn't play bad. They have a lot to look forward to next year, but I think we may have seen the last of Matty Stafford in Detroit. Uh, moving on to our next matchup, uh, we have the Falcons and the Bucks. Uh, Nate, uh, could you break this ga- game down for us a little bit? Uh, sure. Just give me a minute to pull it up. Uh, Falcons. The Bucks. I mean, it was pretty much a blowout. Um, Brady looking. He's looking like he's in playoff form right now. <laughs> yep. And the Falcons were the Falcons. They <laughs> they just weren't able to stop the Bucks. They have too many weapons. They have Brady. They have AB. They have Mike Evans. They have Fournette. They have a lot of good players. So they're looking more than ready for the playoffs this year. Yeah, and just looking at uh, this team, I know uh, Mike Evans did go down with an injury in this game. Tom Brady still threw for 399 yards and four touchdowns, one interception. Ronald Jones had 78 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Antonio Brown, 138 yards and two touchdowns, as well as Chris Godwin, 133 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah, this team, even without Mike Evans for 
uh, I believe the second half of the game, uh, they still have two top end receivers in Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown. It's going to be tough to stop this team in the playoffs. And, and I mean, uh, just looking at the Falcons playing out the last game of their slate, I don't know if we'll see Matt Ryan back in Atlanta next year. He did have a decent game with 265 through the air and two touchdowns. I know Brian Hill added 94 yards on the ground and Russell Gage had 91 through the air and a touchdown uh, receiving. And yeah, these uh, th- this team really needs a, a makeover. They might draft a quarterback this year in, in the draft. And I think that um, Atlanta needs to find a new identity. But as for Tampa Bay, I think it's just uh, full force uh, into the playoffs. Um, another two teams just playing out their final uh, game slate would be the Patriots and the Jets. Um, yeah, th- uh, both teams had relatively disappointing seasons from where they were projected. And um, as a Patriots fan, I was actually happy the way this game turned out, even though uh, Patriots might not have gotten the, the best draft pick uh, compared to what they could have gotten if they had lost. But it was nice to see Cam Newton go out on a high note, um, as this might be his last game as a Patriot. Uh, he had uh, 242 yards through the air and three passing touchdowns. Um, and then st- he added uh, 79 yards on the ground. And he also added 19 yards uh, receiving and a receiving touchdown on a, on a trip play, which was pretty fun to watch. Uh, Sony Michelle adding 76 yards on the ground. And uh, Michelle uh, Asiasi, James White, also receiving touchdowns through the air. And, um, yeah, as for the Patriots, they just got to look forward to um, next year, you know, have a good draft. They have a lot of draft picks and just sort of develop that identity with Bill Belichick that they they once had previously uh, with Tom Brady. And, um, Nate, I just want to get your opinion on the Jets. Uh, Darnold uh, had 266 yards passing, a touchdown and two picks. Josh Adams rushed for 47 yards and a touchdown. Chris Herndon. 63 yards through the air and a receiving touchdown and Brashad Perryman had 84 receiving yards. What should the Jets be looking forward to next season? Um, I think if they can repeat what they did against the Patriots and what they did against the Browns into the next season, I think there's going to be some progress for sure. Yeah, I think that they did improve, I'd say the last five games of the season. Uh, yeah, like you said, that also that Patriot game somewhere in the middle of the season, that game they played pretty well. And then I guess from their last five games up, they have looked like a, a better team, not a 0-16 level team. They look more of like a, a close to 500 level team uh, as of late. And yeah, I guess it's just more improvement. And I guess that also depends on who they take in the draft because they also have a lot of draft capital this year. Yeah, they have a lot of potential to go up. All right, looking at the next game on the slate, uh, we thought this game had playoff implications, but ultimately Washington ended up winning their game. This was the Giants against the Cowboys. Giants winning 23-19. to uh, Terry, if you could break down this game for us. Um, on the Cowboys side of the football, you had Andy Dalton with his uh, 243 yards passing, and then unfortunately had that interception. On the rushing round of it, uh, you had Zeke Elliott with his 42 yards and a touchdown. Tony Pollard probably went 5-15 on his yards and carries. And then you had uh, the receiver core. Schultz probably had seven receptions on 70 yards. Then you had their three receivers, Gallup, 
Lamb and Cooper. In that exact order, I think they probably had 49 yards, 43 yards, and then probably 41 yards, give or take. Um, on the Giants side of the ball, you had Daniel Jones. He had 229 yards with his two touchdowns and an interception. And then with the rushing side of the ball, uh, Gallman had 65 yards. Sterling Shepard had 24. Jones brought in 17 yards as well. But unfortunately, when you lose a talent by the name of Saquon Barkley, it's kind of hard to replace the production that you could get from him. Mm -hmm. um, aside Sterling Shepard and his 42 rushing yards, I believe he had over 100 yards this game, as well as a touchdown. And then Dante Pettis with his 43 yards and a touchdown as well. Um, just looking into next year, you're just hoping that the Cowboys are have Dak Prescott in their future plans and that they can incorporate him in the offense because we've unfortunately seen how this offense does carry itself when Prescott is out. Um, when you're looking at the Giants side of the football, you hope for Saquon Barkley to recover at full health as well as the, the development of Daniel Jones and probably drafting maybe a talent or two, whether it be at tight end or even at wideout, just to take the pressure off Saquon and just to give Daniel Jones a chance uh, to get more easy reads. Because Sterling Shepard isn't getting any younger. Same goes with Darius Slayton. Uh, and aside from that, that's all I got to say with this matchup. Yeah, for sure. I think that both teams, uh, they need to get younger and they need to get healthier for sure. Um, looking at the next game, Nate, uh, the Tennessee Titans, uh, they actually thought they were going to lose this game, but they did end up pulling it out 41 to 38 over the Houston Texans, winning the AFC South division. Um, yeah, Ryan Tannehill, 216 yards and a touchdown. Derrick Henry, 250 yards on the ground and two touchdowns. Tannehill also rushing for two as well. A.J. Brown, 151 yards through the air and a touchdown. And, um, yeah, the Texans didn't look too bad. 365 through the air for Deshaun Watson and three touchdowns. Uh, David Johnson had 84 on the ground and a touchdown. Brandon Cooks, 166 through the air and two touchdowns. Kiki Kuti, 90 yards receiving, as well as Farrell Brown with the receiving touchdown. Nate, I just want to get your thoughts on this game. Um, Derrick Henry hit over 2,000 yards rushing this season. What are your thoughts on the Titans? Well, that's kind of crazy. Like I said, they're, they're going to have to find a way to stop Henry to win, and they couldn't stop Henry. I think they the Texans did the next best thing was try to score as much points as you can, and it almost worked. I mean, that's probably the Titans' biggest weakness right now is defense. Like, they can punch holes through any defense, but anybody can punch a hole through their defense too. Yeah, I think they have had their defensive struggles in recent um, games. And uh, as for the Texans, Nate, um, Deshaun Watson is proving time and time again that w even with not a lot of talent around him, he's still a top-level quarterback in this league. Uh, what do you think Houston needs to do for next season? Uh, it's really hard to say because I'm not sure um, where they are in their pick situation. And there's the issue of trying to get free agents to the Texans. So 
it's kind of hard to see like what direction they'll be able to be in. They might be in, they might be in like kind of a bind for the next few years, unfortunately. Yeah, I think that I could say the same thing for that as well. Um, just moving forward to the next game, um, the Colts uh, played the Jaguars. They were also trying to win this division and hoping for a Titans loss. Unfortunately, that didn't happen, but the Colts did win their game 28-14 to 14 over the Jaguars and did secure that final playoff spot with that loss from Miami. Um, for the Jaguars, Mike Glennon, 261 through the air, two touchdowns. Um, and the, uh, receiving uh, Chris Conley, 87 yards through the air, and Lavishka Chanel had two receiving touchdowns. Other than that, there wasn't too much from Jacksonville. And then as for Indianapolis, uh, Rivers had 164 yards passing, a touchdown and an interception. Jonathan Taylor ran for 253 yards on the ground and two touchdowns. And um, the, the rest of the receiving core was mostly pocket change. But as for Jonathan Taylor, he's really looking like a monster out there. Uh, Terry, could I get your thoughts on him? I mean, uh, I don't even know what to say. This boy can play. That's all you guys uh, say when it comes to Jonathan Taylor at this rate. As you said, two touchdowns, 253 yards on 30 carries. Uh, this guy's going to be, I believe, a cowbell for this organization going into next year. Um, you don't know what they're going to do with Marlon Mack. Probably he's going to be cut. I don't even know at this rate. Um, just looking into the future with the Colts, I mean, Philip Rivers, he isn't getting any younger, so they might be looking to draft a quarterback, maybe even grab one from free agency. And as you said, with the receiving core, um, it was just pocket change. T.Y. Hilton isn't getting any younger. Uh, and you're hopefully assuming that guys like Zach Pascal and then uh, Pittman Jr. just want to be able to carry the load going into the future years for this organization. As for the Jaguars, I assume that they have the first uh, pick locked up. So they're just. Yeah, gonna, they should have it. Yeah. Trevor, exactly. So they're just going to go with Trevor Lawrence uh, for their quarterback for the future. So Minshew Mania in Jacksonville is going to probably find another home. Uh, Aside from that, I mean, on the Jacksonville side of the offense, you got some decent receivers in Sano and Conley, as well as Keenan Cole. Uh, they just got to hope for a decent quarterback at this rate, and Trevor Lawrence might be the answer. Yeah, for sure. Um, Trevor Lawrence looks like a stud coming into this draft. And um, looking at our next game, uh, it's the, the Vegas Raiders barely beating the Denver Broncos 32-31. to 31. Derek Carr, 371 through the air, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Josh Jacobs, 89 on the ground, two touchdowns. Um, and Darren Waller, 117 through the air and a touchdown. And um, Terry, I just want to get your thoughts on that. The, the Raiders have just been doing what they've been doing most of the season, but I guess it just wasn't enough for them to make the playoffs. Um, with the Raiders, it's just them and their scheduling, I assume. Because at the start of the year, I think we saw them at the top of uh, AFC West, if I'm not mistaken. They did beat Kansas City, yeah. Exactly. So I'm just assuming it was probably a scheduling uh, thing this year when it came to the Oakland Raiders. Hopefully next year that they do have an easier schedule and they might squeak in into the wild card uh, spots for next year. Um, when you just look at the Broncos on the other hand, I mean, you have that uh, committee with 
Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon. Uh, you hope they can uh, even out the carries and then hopefully they can both give you production. And then with the receiving core, you have Jer Jerry Judy, Noah Fan, Tim Patrick, and I believe uh, Deshaun ha Hamilton, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Jerry Judy looked great this game from what I remembered. Uh, 140 yards, one touchdown. No offense, uh, 48 yards on his four receptions. Tim Patrick had two receptions on his 46 yards. Hamilton, uh, under 20 yards from what I remember. Um, I don't know where the team goes uh, from here at this rate. Uh, you hope that they might draft another signal caller. Maybe it's just a thing going on in the locker rooms. Aside from that, uh, for both of these teams, nowhere but up. Yeah, for sure. I think Drew Locke, um, he did have 339 yards through the air and two touchdowns, but they might choose to move on from him as well. Um, I guess looking to the future, they might not see him as their guy going forward at quarterback. So I think that, um, yeah, they, they might have a change there um, in terms of uh, quarterback uh, for Denver. Um, looking at the next game on our slate, uh, we have the uh, 49ers against the Seahawks. And I, I guess the Seahawks were trying to get a top seed. Uh, it, it didn't happen because of Green Bay's win. But And the 49ers were just playing out the remaining game in their slate. The Seahawks winning 26-23. Uh, Nate, could I get your thoughts on this game and how both teams looked? Um, It looks like it was a pretty close game. Uh, they tried to clutch it out but unfortunately they weren't able to um russell wilson he's not this isn't i wouldn't say his best but he's looking all right he's mm -hmm. rushing and passing so he still looks like a versatile quarterback going into the playoffs um i think that they should be pretty good for the playoffs yeah, I think they did look good here as well. Tyler Lockett had 90 yards and two touchdowns. And Metcalf was locked up for most of the game in coverage, only catching three passes for 20-some yards. And yeah, um, the Seahawks team, they didn't really have to do much in this game to, to win because um, the 49ers didn't really put up as much of a fight. Uh, C.J. Beathard, 273 through the air and a touchdown pass. Uh, Jeff Wilson, 76 yards and a rushing touchdown. And the only touchdown reception was also by Jeff Wilson. And yeah, this 49ers team, they're bugged by injuries this year. Um, Nate, where do you see this 49ers team going next year after a Super Bowl appearance last season? I think they have the potential to do it again. Um, like you said, it's mostly because of injuries. Uh, but I think next year, once they have their full team, I think they'll be able to probably make it back into the playoffs yeah I think that we had all penciled them in as a playoff team heading into this season but it was just a matter of all of the injuries that they went through and so on that kept them out of the playoffs and uh, put the Rams actually into the playoffs so we'll get to that Rams game in just a sec we'll look at Green Bay they locked up the the number one seed here um, in the NFC with a big win over the Bears um, Aaron Rodgers threw for four touchdowns on 240 yards. Aaron Jones rushed for 42 yards and a touchdown. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, 87 yards and a touchdown. Devontae Adams, 46 yards and a touchdown. 
Bob Tunyon and uh, uh, Dominique Danfee, I think is how you pronounce his name, also caught a touchdown uh, for the Green Bay Packers. And then as for the Bears, Mitch Trubisky threw 252 yards and an interception. David Montgomery, 69 yards on the ground and a touchdown. And yeah, this Bears team really struggled to put up offense against the Packers as have a lot of other teams that have faced Green Bay this season. And um, Nate, I guess it's just full force for Green Bay heading into the playoffs. Pretty much they're looking like favorites uh, this playoffs. I think uh, we'll we'll be going to our predictions later, but yeah, the the Packers are looking like favorites this season. Uh, Yeah, for sure. They're looking great. Um, Just a few more games. On the slate, um, the Chiefs played the Chargers. Uh, the Chiefs already had a playoff spot uh, locked up, and uh, they were just playing out their remaining game against the Chargers. The Chargers did win this game 38-21. to 21. Um, Yeah, uh, Justin Herbert throwing for 302 yards and three touchdowns. He looked amazing. Justin Jackson, 72 yards on the ground with Kalen Balaj and Justin Herbert getting rushing touchdowns, and Mike Williams having 108 receiving yards and a receiving touchdown, as well as uh, Parham and Eckler adding touchdowns through the air. Uh, Terry, what are your thoughts on the Chargers heading into next season? Um, Going into next season, I mean, with the signal call that they just drafted and Justin Herbert, uh, you got possibly a future Hall of Famer and what some people in the media were saying. Um, With their running back core, you have Justin Jackson, uh, Austin Eckler, um, I assume Justin Jackson is probably going to be a goal line back from now on. And then you have Austin Eckler. He's basically a utility back. You can expect him to play on third down, play in the receiving game, do what you expect uh, him to do. Um, you just hope for him to be more healthy compared to this season. And you just hope for Justin Jackson uh, when Austin Eckler, God forbid, is injured. You just hope for him to... Um, just produce. I think Justin Jackson this game probably had nine carries on 72 yards, and then Eckler probably had seven carries on 18 yards. Um, It's probably not the stats you're looking for, but then this was just the Justin Herbert show. Um, As you mentioned, Mike Williams, 108 yards and a touchdown, and then Haram, I believe, had uh, 37 yards and a touchdown. Just looking into next year, you're just hoping for a like, um, some new weapons for Justin Herbert to use in the offense. And just on the chief side of the ball, I mean, this is a dynasty we're looking at, if anything. Uh, they may have looked a little bit sluggish in the last couple of weeks, but then I feel like this is a team that can just turn it on at any given moment. They'll let you get 21 points and they'll be like, all right, it's our turn to play now. Yeah, I think yeah, with this game, them not starting their their starters uh, really hurt the Chiefs' chance of winning this game. Chad Henney did have a decent game, 218 yards and two touchdowns through the air. Darwin Thompson rushing for 45 yards and a touchdown, as well as catching 65 yards and a score as well for Thompson. And Byron Pringle adding 52 yards and a touchdown. And uh, yeah, um, the Chargers looked good here, and I think we can just – uh, look at KC uh, with their starters just being one of the top contenders in the AFC for the Super Bowl. And uh, moving on to the next game, um, it, it was the the Cardinals against the Rams. Uh, each team had a win and get in scenario for the most part, and 
both teams actually were playing backup quarterbacks because both their quarterbacks had injuries. And um, yeah, Arizona couldn't get it done. Um, Chris Strevler, 105 yards, a touchdown and an interception playing quarterback for the Cardinals. Kenyon Drake, only 36 yards on the ground. And um, Jonathan Ward catching the only touchdown pass for the Cardinals. And then for the Rams, John Wolford started at quarterback. He didn't throw for any touchdowns, but he did have 231 yards through the year and an interception. He also rushed for 56 yards with Cam Akers adding 34 on the ground. Um, Cam Akers also caught 52 yards through the air with Van Jefferson catching 50 yards through the air. And Nate, I just want to get your thoughts on this big win by the Rams. They added a pick six touchdown and that pretty much sealed the game for them. Well, it was a good game for the Rams, just as you said, and uh, they were able to pull off the win without their uh, main quarterback. And I think that's a good look for the Rams that uh, even without Goff, they can still uh, show that they're a strong team. So that's a good sign for them going into the playoffs. Yeah, I, I guess um, just being able to get in with all the the hard work they put uh, on this season, especially with the defense for the Rams. And yeah, I think it's a, it's a good look for them going into the playoffs. Of course, them needing Jared Goff, hopefully for next week's matchup will be important. And then as for the Cardinals, I guess just keep building with what young talent they have. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, um, looking at the next game on the slate, uh, the Saints uh, played the Panthers, and um, the Saints were trying to get the number one seed. Of course, that didn't happen with Green Bay winning. They hammered the Panthers 33-7. to um, Just taking a quick look at the stats, uh, they didn't have any of their st- starting running backs for this game. Uh, Ty Montgomery rushed for 105 yards for them. Taysom Hill adding 41 on the ground and a touchdown. Uh, Drew Brees throwing for 201 yards and three touchdowns. Emmanuel Sanders catching 63 yards and a touchdown. Jared Cook adding 43 yards and a touchdown. And Austin Carr catching the other touchdown. Um, And then for the Panthers, not much of anything. Both Bridgewater and Walker played in this game. No touchdowns, only interceptions. Um, Rodney Smith rushed for 40 yards and a touchdown. And that was it for this Panthers offense. And... Uh, Terry, I just want to ask you, how do you think the Saints are looking heading into the playoffs? Um, this is just a little warm-up game for the Saints. I mean, um, I believe they're probably going to be playing the Bears in the, f- in the first round. Um, we'll go into the predictions in the next segment, but um, this is a well-doiled machine. Uh, their defense is clicking, and with their offense, I mean, you're just hoping from now on that uh, Breeze doesn't run into any trouble whether it be with last year's injury with his uh, thumb or just him not catching that uh, lightning in the bottle. As you did mention, uh, 200 yards, three touchdowns, and then you had guys like Emmanuel Sanders, um, Jared Cook, and Austin Carr all just uh, providing on the offense as well. Um, Aside from that, I mean – you're probably looking at one of the contenders coming out of the NFC uh, with the Saints here. As for the Panthers, I mean, they need to make a decision on who to keep going into next season. I mean, you guys, I mean, these guys do have DJ Moore, Curtis Samuels, 
uh, Robbie Anderson. But I feel like when it comes to the Carolina Panthers, they need to figure out what to do at uh, quarterback. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater, I do like the, him no matter what. But he is, is he going to be the future of this organization? Um, aside from that, uh, that's pretty much it. Yeah, for sure. All right, looking at our final matchup of the week, uh, we had the Washington football team against the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Washington had to win to get into the playoffs, and they did. They won 20-14. to 14. Just looking at some of the stats, Alex Smith came back to play for this game. He had 162 yards through the air, two touchdowns and two interceptions. Antonio Gibson rushed for 75 yards on the ground. And uh, Terry McLaurin caught 40 yards and a touchdown with Logan Thomas adding 37 yards and a score. And then for the Eagles, um, both Jalen Hurts and Nate Sudfield didn't really do much on the field, not throwing any touchdowns and throwing interceptions. Um, Boston Scott had 65 yards on the ground with Jalen Hurts adding 34 and two scores. And uh, JJ Ortega Whiteside had 40 yards receiving through the air and all controversy aside, Terry, could I get your thoughts on this game? I don't even know what to tell you. I mean, I mean where do you start? Um, you pull Jalen Hurts, and then you have the comments of uh, the head coach saying he was coaching to win. But, I mean, you ride the hot hand if you want to win, right, with Jalen Hurts. Uh if you want to see what he really was about as a player, I mean, you keep him in those high-pressure situations. You don't pull him for your third-string quarterback. Um, I don't even know what to say. Uh, I mean, if you look at it from the Washington side of the football, uh, let's be honest. If it wasn't for Alex Smith, I believe we would not be talking about the Washington football team being in the playoffs, it would probably be the New York Giants, if anything. Um, aside from that, the Eagles are going to have to have a lot of team meet, team meetings, or how should I say? They're going to have to figure something out for next year. Um, we've heard murmurs on social media how there were a couple of players that Needed to be separated from uh, the head coach, and they're probably going to need a culture change if, if anything coming out of Philadelphia going into the next season. Um, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I just uh, I I don't really know what the reason was for them pulling Jalen Hurts. I think that keeping him in the game, like you said, is great for experience and so on. And I guess just the way they've handled the whole quarterback situation could have been done better. I think Carson Wentz will be seeing his himself out the door this coming off season. And I guess just uh, moving on to the Washington football team, their playoff team now. I know uh, when we were talking in our fantasy chat earlier this season, I was telling Mette that I thought if Alex Smith became the starting quarterback of this team, then they would be a playoff team. And it ended up happening. And I'm actually not surprised by it. I think Alex Smith is a very good quarterback. He's just been very limited by his injuries and also by uh, some play callers that he's played for. But other than that, he's a very excellent quarterback. I think he's the right quarterback leading this team heading into the postseason. And Nate, I just want to get your thoughts on the Washington football team heading into the playoffs. Um, I think even though they're a team with a losing record, I think they're a team with some potential. 
Um, something that I don't think people have mentioned enough is their defense. They have a top five defense in the NFL right now. I think they're fourth ranked. So even though they've been losing a lot of games, that's like one thing that I think Washington fans can say, we have one of the best defenses in the league. And if they can just tweak their offense a little, a little bit, they'll actually be able to make some serious runs. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that that's definitely a positive for them. Um, all right, let's move into our preview for the wildcard weekend uh, this Saturday and Sunday. All right, we're going to preview this coming weekend's uh, wildcard matchups. Uh, we'll, we'll take a look at who we think is going to win each game. And then I'll uh, give you a list of names that you could maybe play in, in your weekend daily fantasy. And then um, at the end of the entire segment, we'll give our two teams that we could see in the Super Bowl at the end of this. Um, I want to start with the first game on Saturday at uh, 1 p.m. It's the seventh uh, seed Indianapolis Colts at the second seed Buffalo Bills. Um, Terry, could I get your thoughts on this game and who you think uh, might win this game? Um, if anything, I'm just going with the highest seed on this. I got to go with the Buffalo Bills. Um, just going into the playoffs, they've just been firing on all, all cylinders. You know that Josh Allen is going to be trying to carve up that Colts secondary with his talent at a wide receiver with Stefan Diggs, uh, John Brown, if he is going to play, and then Colt easily. Um, probably the only negative you can talk about with the Buffalo Bills right now is going to be their rushing game, that they do not rely on it heavily enough, and that they're going to be a pass-heavy team. Um, with the Indianapolis Colts on their side of the ball, you're just hoping for their defense to try and slow down this Buffalo's high-powered offense. And you're just hoping for Philip Rivers to um, find that fountain of youth and probably bring them to an upset. I got the Buffalo Bills on this, but by how much, I'm not sure. All right, Nate, let me go to you on, on this matchup and who you think might win. Um, I'm going to go with Terry on this, and I think the Bulls, I mean, the Bills definitely have the advantage here. Uh, the Colts are a good defense. They're, I think, 10th in the league right now, but the their weakness is kind of pat, the pass, and the Bills have one of the best passing games in the entire league, so that's not a very good weakness to have when you're facing the Bills. And they have Josh Allen, who's like a really talented quarterback. They have Stephon Diggs. And Diggs, I think he's leading the league in receptions this year. So, again, not, not the best weakness to have um, this, this week. So I think the Bills definitely have a major advantage. Um, I'm actually going to give a differing opinion than you guys. Um, as you know, the this Indianapolis Colts defense is unlike any defense that Buffalo has faced this year. Um, their pass rush is uh, full of guys like DeForest Buckner, um, Justin Houston, uh, Dino Coatri, and other like top end pass rushers. Uh, and then you got the next level of defense with Darius Leonard, um, one of the best uh, inside linebackers in in the game of football. I think we can all agree on that. And then you have uh, breakout star Julian Blackman at free safety. And I mean, I don't know how Josh Allen is going to dissect this defense. Um, he's been doing it on a consistent basis. 
Um, even Aaron Rodgers had a hard time dissecting this defense. And Aaron Rodgers has been doing that for a long time. So um, out of all of the games that could have an upset, I actually see this game potentially having an upset. Um, the only way for it to happen, though, is if Phillip Rivers stops turning over the ball. Uh, the games Phillip Rivers has not turned over the ball. The Colts have won the turnover battle and they've been able to win games. It's going to solely come down on them relying on the run with Jonathan Taylor and being able to not turn over the ball. And I, in terms of uh, the Buffalo Bills, uh, you can't win turnover. Uh, you can't lose turnover battles with them and try and win the game. It doesn't work like that. Their offense is just too good for that. But I think that um, this Colts defense is very opportunistic and they've gotten turnovers from every team. There hasn't been a, there hasn't been a team where, you know, they, they've played bad. They just, you know, they, they can always get turnovers. And I, I think that this is the game where the Colts prove that they are a deeper team, uh, both on the offensive and the defensive side of the ball compared to the Buffalo Bills. Um, and yeah, just in terms of um, players you can play in this game for, for fantasy, uh, Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs uh, on the Buffalo side, um, and then uh, for the Colts side, definitely you can roll with Jonathan Taylor um, as those are your solid go-to picks. And then maybe some sleeper picks, maybe a T.Y. Hilton, uh, maybe a, a John Brown, you know, um, maybe Devin Singletary. But other than that, I think uh, those three guys are your main guys you can roll with in fantasy in this matchup. Um, yeah, looking at the next game on the slate, uh, it's a... Uh, the 4 p.m. Uh, matchup. It's an NFC matchup, the Rams and the Seahawks. And guys, um, I'll start with you, Nate. Uh, what are your thoughts on this game? Um, I think this game could be close, but I think the Seahawks have the advantage. The Rams do have the highest ranked defense overall this season, but I think that even though uh, Metcalf didn't have like a dominant game last week, I think he's just, it's like really hard to stop him like week after week. Uh, he just has a good matchup with any, any defender who's on him. And uh, Wilson, he's a very versatile quarterback. He can pass and he can run. And uh, the Rams don't have the best rushing defense when it comes to rushing touchdowns. So I think that's going to be something that uh, Russell Wilson will be able to use to his advantage. All right, Terry, what are your thoughts on this game? And who do you think will will take this here? I honestly want to say the Rams, but I feel like the Seahawks might squeak out this win. Um, Just because these two are division rivals, I assume they probably already played two matchups off the top of my head. Um. Just thinking about it, I mean, you assume that P. Carroll's going to find a way to get DK Metcalf um, some reps, whether it's through uh, short routes, deep routes, or even uh, a couple of post routes. Uh, I feel like he's going to find a way to burn Jalen Ramsey this game. Uh, don't quote me on that. I'm just thinking if he couldn't get it the first or second time, maybe he can get it the third time. Um. If you look at the Rams side of the football, I assume you're just hoping for guys like Aaron Donald, uh, Troy Reader, and then probably guys like Leonard Floyd to stop uh, guys like Carson Wentz. No, Jesus. Chris Carson. Yeah, Chris Carson. No worries, man. Oh, Lord. 
Uh, at least you didn't say bulls instead of bills. <laughs> um, yeah, Chris Carson. And then you're just hoping for the secondary to slow down this aerial attack. Guys like Jalen Ramsey, uh, John Johnson, and then Jordan Fuller. Just hoping for them to nullify guys like Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf at this rate. Um, with the Rams' offense right now, you're just hoping for Jared Goff to be a little. Uh, just hope for him to get a little bit more healthy, as well as Cam Makers just trying to pull on a couple of uh, breakout performances. Uh, you already know that Robert Wood and then probably. Josh Reynolds are going to be the wideouts. The only guy that you can probably rely on in the wideout court right now is going to be Robert Woods if you're looking in fantasy options. Cam Makers is probably going to be the only option you can rely on at running back. And then Jared Goff might be a guy that could be a decent sleeper. With the Seahawks, I mean, guys that you can run with as always. Uh, Russell Wilson, uh, DK Metcalf, Chris Carson. Aside from that, um, just hope for the, uh, just hope for the best when it comes to fantasy. As for the matchup, I gotta go with the Seahawks. Yeah, I'm also leaning towards the Seahawks in this game. I think if Jared Goff was at a hundred percent, I could see the Rams actually stealing this game with their the tight defense that they play. Um, I'm also gonna add Tyler Lockett to that list. If Jalen Ramsey is shadowing DK Metcalf, I think he'll open up more looks for Tyler Lockett as uh, the weakest corner on this Rams team is in the slot. So I, I could see Tyler Lockett having a big game this weekend as Wilson's going to need to find someone to throw to because the Rams also have a very good run defense as well. Um, the reason I'm taking the Seahawks is because it's Russell Wilson. He does what he does in the playoffs. Let's just not beat around the bush. Um, yeah, he just, he knows how to get it done in the playoffs. You, you, you mentioned Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll knows how to coach in the playoffs. Um, this is an experienced uh, Seahawks core, uh, aside from Metcalf, and um, these guys they know how to get it done. And I don't see Jared Goff being 100% in this game, I just don't. I don't see him being able to throw the ball very efficiently with his thumb having surgery. He's just what two weeks out of surgery, you know. It's, I just don't see it happening. And if, if Walford does play, I don't see it happening there as well as they, they weren't able to score much with him. Um, throwing the ball. So, yeah, I, I'd say uh, Seahawks take this game. Uh, moving on to the Saturday night game, uh, we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Washington football team. Um, Terry, I'll start with you on this game. Um, is, is it as uh, open and closed as we think it is with Tampa Bay just taking it, or do you think Washington can put up a fight? Well, as Nathan probably said earlier in podcast uh Washington's defense isn't something you sleep on but you do realize this is Tom Brady and then the receiving core down in Tampa Bay is experienced you have uh Godwin you have Antonio Brown and then you have uh Gronkowski if he finds a way to uh just find a couple of reps and then maybe a touchdown um Ronald Jones Leonard Fournette uh, do I need to say more for this Buccaneers offense? Um, one way for Washington to probably uh, slow down this Buccaneers offense is to just get Chase Young to uh, be unleashed. That's all I got to say at this rate. Um, when you're looking at the offensive side of for 
the Washington football team, you're just hoping for Alex Smith to try and be as healthy as possible. Aside from that, um, you got Terry McLaurin and then you got Logan Thomas as your only other options. Um, aside from that, I just got to go with the Bucks on this one here. Yeah, Nate, could I get your thoughts on this game? Uh, I feel pretty similarly to Terry as well. Um, like I said before, uh, Washington has one of the best defenses in the league, but the Bucks just have too many weapons. It's going to be like a dam trying to fight the ocean. Eventually, they're going to break. Mm-hmm. And with a team like the Bucks, you need to be able to have the weapons to match that, no matter how good your defense is. And unfortunately, I don't think uh, Washington will be able to match them with that. Yeah, I think I can agree. I'll also take the Buccaneers here as well. Um, one thing I do have to say about uh, Washington football team is um, their run defense is solid. And in in the games that the Bucs have lost this year is when they didn't efficiently run the ball. So that's just something to throw out there that uh, Washington fans can be hopeful about is that if they can stop the run game for the Buccaneers and consistently force them to throw the ball, I mean, Tom Brady's, what, 43? He's going to make mistakes. He's not, he's not a perfect quarterback anymore. Um, you know, uh, I, I could see uh, Washington keeping this game close. I don't know. I don't see them finding a way to win this game, though. Um, definitely Alex Smith um, and also both running backs, both McKissick and Gibson, need to be factors in this game if Washington wants to have a chance. So I think there's a possibility for both of them to be rolled out in fantasy. And then Terry, like you said, Logan Thomas, and Terry McLaurin are their main options in terms of the passing game. So, yeah, I think that um, Tampa Bay still does win this game, but I think it's closer than a lot of people are predicting. Uh, Moving on to Sunday's game slate, uh, the 1 o'clock game, uh, Baltimore Ravens at the Tennessee Titans. It's actually a reverse rematch from last year where the Titans were in Baltimore, and they did get the win there. But uh, I want to hear your thoughts. Uh, first, you, Nate, on this game and who you think is going to win. Uh, this game was hard for me to decide. I think it could go either way. Uh, reason being, they, they're both great running teams. I think they're two of the best running teams in the entire league. So it's going to be really back and forth. I think uh, what puts whatever team on top is going to be the defense. I think the Ravens have a better defense overall. So if they can get some stops, uh, if they can slow down Henry enough, they'll be able to take it eventually. I think for the Titans, um, I guess they have Henry again, but they also have Tannehill. If uh, Henry can open up enough opportunities for Tannehill, they can, I think they can burn the Ravens enough so that they'll be able to uh, keep a respectable pace with them. All right, Terry, could I get your thoughts on this game and who you think might win? Uh, Nate, to be correct, you are going with the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah. Okay. All right, Terry, let me hear your thoughts. Honestly, I would have went with the Tennessee Titans probably a couple weeks ago if you asked me this question earlier in the year. But just with the way the Baltimore Ravens came into the playoffs, I feel like they're going to be the team that gets the win here. Um, I don't want to say this – game is going to be low scoring just due to the fact that both these quarterbacks do have the ability to just air it out sometimes. Uh, Lamar Jackson, I don't need to say that much. And then when you have Ryan Tannehill, 
um, he's had one of the more quieter, successful quarterback years this year. And when you look at the stats, I believe he's probably in the top 10 in uh, passing yards. And then just him complimenting Derrick Henry is just, I don't know, the perfect one-two combo, if anything. Um, aside from uh, praising the Tennessee Titans, um, you're just hoping for the front seven of the Baltimore Ravens just to slow down Derrick Henry. Um, you're hoping for guys like Queen McPhee and Fort in the linebacking court just to wrap him up and probably avoid him getting more than five yards of carry. Um, on Tennessee side of the ball, you're just hoping for uh, the clock to run out when you're on the offense with Derrick Henry. Uh, burn as much clock as you can, and then majority of the time, pray to God that uh, – Lamar Jackson doesn't burn you in a couple of minutes on his side of the offense. Um, you're probably going to have to force a couple of punts on Bron- if uh, you're the Titans defense right now. And aside from that, uh, just slow down this uh, Baltimore high-powered offense. You know the options they have. Hollywood Brown, um, Willie Sneed when he's healthy. I assume he's probably not going to be. But aside from Sneed, you have uh, Mark Andrews, uh, the running back guys. Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins, and then Lamar Jackson. This offense isn't anything you take lightly. Um, aside from that, guys, you can look at from Tennessee's side of the football. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, as I mentioned earlier, Derrick Henry. You have A.J. Brown and Corey Davis. They're not the most flashiest receivers you would expect a lot of production from, but they will give you the production. As we mentioned probably in our first few podcasts of where the tight ends on this team. Um, aside from that, you're just hoping for the uh, front three on Tennessee by the names of Simmons, Jones, and Crawford just to rush Lamar Jackson into some poor decisions in the passing game. Aside from that, um, I feel like the Titans may not get the win, but then they'll keep it close. Yeah, um, looking at this game, I thought the same thing as you guys. Okay, Baltimore is the best defense, so they should win this game. But um, one thing about the Titans that I've noticed this year is their will to win. Um, no matter, like aside for, we'll put that Green Bay game aside because that could be just a one-off. You know, we can just write that game off as a one-off. But in every other game that they've played um, up till now, uh, they've always had the will to win. A lot of their games have come down to the wire just because of their will to win, especially last week. Uh, Watson had probably his best game of the season, but still couldn't put away this Tennessee team that was determined to win this division. And uh, when it comes to the playoffs, I don't know, that culture that Vrabel's developed there, it's just, uh, it's really something to, to watch. And um, I, I don't know, I I don't know. My head says the Ravens, but I feel like the Tennessee could win this game. Uh, it's just one of those things. Um, uh, it's been in the, also Lamar Jackson's head that he can't win in the playoffs and it's really gotten to him and it's really been bothering him. So if it gets to him again in this game, uh, the tide could really turn uh, for the Titans and uh, Lamar could tighten up again, like he did last year in the playoffs. So um, I might be leaning towards Tennessee, actually thinking about the intangibles of this game. Um, just thinking about uh, the direction that the teams are going. The Ravens do look good, but so do the Titans. So we can't write them off right away. Um, 
Uh, I think I am going to go with Tennessee here just to be a little bit different from you guys. Um, both teams have an equal opportunity, though, to win this game. Uh, looking at the uh, 440 matchup on Sunday, uh, we have the Bears uh, in New Orleans to take on the Saints. And um, Terry, I'll start with you. Um, do the Bears have any chance in this game or is this just going to be an easy game for the Saints? Just right off the bench, just like that. I mean, on the defensive end of the ball, you have guys like Gibson Sr., Eddie Jackson, Kyle Fuller, um, scarier names, Akeem Hicks, Khalil Mack. Um, those names on a night-to-night basis just put fear in either the running backs or even the quarterbacks. Um, you're just hoping for that offensive line of the Saints just to hold up. Aside from that, just try to limit if uh, Kamaro comes back, if Latarius Murray comes back, even if Michael Thomas comes back, you're just hoping to limit these guys. Um, with Chicago's offense, I mean, you got David Montgomery. When he gets hot, he'll give you over 200 yards, as we've seen in that breakout game with him. On the receiving court, you got Allen Robinson. You already know what he does. And then Daryl Mooney, even though he's not the most shiniest name to look out for, he does give you decent numbers. He'll get you probably at least maybe 75 yards on a good night. Um, I know it's just going to seem like the easiest answer in the book, but I got to go with the Saints on this. I know that Chicago's defense will give the Saints a hard time this game, but I feel like um, it's not going to be a blowout. Yeah, I think that the Saints just seem to be the the better all-around team. Um, yeah, and even if they don't get their running backs back for this game, I feel like that they can still take Chicago. Um, I am going to go with the Saints here. I'm also going to mention that if you're looking for um, a cheap tight end to stream, you can look at both teams' tight ends in Jimmy Graham and Jared Cook. Uh, they've really found the end zone a lot this season. Um They've had a a large share of touchdowns from the tight end range. So I think that they might be two tight ends you could look at in this game, aside of the players that uh, Terry mentioned uh, as well. And um, yeah, I'm going to be taking the Saints regardless of the the injuries on both sides. Uh, Nate, what are your thoughts on this game? Who do you see? Uh, I I also agree with you guys. I think that the Saints have a, a pretty big advantage. The Saints, they're a top-tier defense and a top-tier offense. And the Bears have a good defense, but I don't think they have the offense to kind of match the Saints. So they'll probably be playing catch-up for most of the game. They're going to have to find a way to stop Drew Brees or Taysom Hill if they put some minutes for him if Brees isn't healthy. But I do think Brees is going to play. So, yeah, I I don't know how they're going to be able to match that, but... It is the dark horse. I don't think people expected the Bears to be in the playoffs. So <laughs> I think they're going to Yeah. Um, my advantage to the Saints. Yeah. Uh, going to the Sunday night matchup, we have the Cleveland Browns against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And uh, Nate, uh, your team, Cleveland, finally made the playoffs. Uh, congrats to you guys. Uh, how do you see them faring against the Steelers? Who are you taking in this game? As as much as the Browns in me wants to say that Baker's going to have five TDs and Nick Chubb's going to punch a bunch of holes through their defense and Kareem Hunt's going to punch a bunch of holes, 
I think that it's going to be a very hard fought game for the Browns. And I still think the Saints have an advantage in this game. Um, the Saints defense is really good, but I think Baker can, Baker and company can find a way to fight their way through it. But I think the biggest factor is the Browns defense. Um, if the, if they can't find a way to get sacks and they can't find a way to uh, protect against the pass, then they're going to have a really hard time. They'll be behind most of the game. So they're going to need to find a way to um, stop the pass and to get a lot of sacks. Um, so are you taking the Steelers or are you taking the Browns? Um, well, my heart says the Browns, but my head says the Steelers. <laughs> Uh, this this past weekend, actually, Cleveland did beat Pittsburgh. I know Pittsburgh was resting some of their starters. Um, Terry, uh, who who do you see taking this game? Boy, um, same guy, same we gotta go with. Uh, Jesus, I got the same feelings with Nate on this one. I mean, uh, your heart says one thing, your head says the other. I mean. With the Browns defense, you got guys like uh, Miles, Garrett. Uh, who else is on that defense right now? Without thinking too hard, Sheldon yes. Richardson, and then you got guys in the secondary like Harrison and then uh, Mitchell. But um, as you did say, Pittsburgh Steelers were resting a couple of the guys. I believe they rested like four to five captains, give or take, like that. Um, and they were basically playing against um secondary in the practice squad. I feel like the Steelers are going to win this one. Um, guys that you can probably rely on in the victory. Uh, maybe D Don, uh, DJ, uh, Claypool, maybe Juju. It's going to be a past the wealth type of thing when it comes to the wide receiver core. Um, we already established that this running game is basically non-existent. Not finding holes in the secondary of the defense. So Big Ben is going to have to rely on the passing game if he wants to beat the Browns on this one. Uh, you're just hoping, if you're the Browns, that uh, that one-two punch of Kareem Hunt and uh, Nick Chubb just uh, carry them on to victory and then hope that Baker Mayfield doesn't need to make too much hard decisions when it comes to his passing game. Aside from that, uh, for some reason, I just got to go with the Steelers on this. Yeah, I actually had Cleveland taking this game until we got news of the COVID outbreak in their organization. I don't know how many players and coaches are going to be sitting out of this game. That's a really tough blow for a Cleveland team that worked really hard getting into the playoffs. Um, it's going to be very tough for them to win. I, I do see a path for them to win, but um, I don't know. Uh, it's just going to depend on how many players start. And if they can't field enough uh, starters, I think that Pittsburgh definitely takes this game. Um, yeah, this game could also, there was rumors of it getting postponed as well. I don't know uh, when it's going to take place, whether it takes place Sunday night or maybe Monday night or, or so on. But um, either way, um, I think this is, this is more in the heads of the Steelers, I guess, uh, needing to prove something. The Browns, I feel like have already proved um, everything by making the playoffs. Uh, they might take their foot off the gas a little bit. So I think that Pittsburgh could 
take this game just over that fact that they they really are trying to prove themselves as a contender you know winning their first what what was it like 11 games in a row or something and they just fueled out a little bit near the end I think this is a a prove it game for Pittsburgh so I think that's my reason for them getting it done this weekend all right thanks guys for your analysis on uh, all of these uh, teams uh, heading into wildcard weekend and uh, before we go let's just get your uh, just off of the top of your head, uh, a Super Bowl matchup that you, you think you'll see this year. I'll start with you, Terry. Um, give me Green Bay and give me uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, you see Rodgers just having this MB, uh, MVP performance, and then you just see Kansas City just uh, sleepwalking their way probably through the AFC. Um, maybe not in the... Maybe not in the third round, but in the second round, I feel like they're going to have an easy matchup. All right, Nate, what about you? Who do you like for the Super Bowl matchup this year? I think for the AFC, I would go with Kansas City as well. Um, they've had they have the best record in the league, and even when they were playing bad, they still won. So what happens when they're when they start playing good? How are you supposed to beat that? Yeah, and exactly. for the NFC, uh. It's actually pretty deep this year. A lot of teams could take it. Um, the as as we said before, Green Bay is a favorite. Uh, the Bills could be making some noise. They're they're going to be looking to make a deep run. Uh, it could be the Steelers as well. Uh, they're a very well-rounded team, except for their run. But I mean, it's Big Ben, and they've been to the Super Bowl before, so they might be able to do it again. Um, so which team from the AFC do you like and which team from the NFC do you like? Uh, from the AFC, I'll take Kansas City. And from the NFC, I think I'll go with Green Bay. It's a safe pick. All right. Um, let me try and be different here. From the NFC, I'm going to take Tampa Bay. Um, I just think that Tom Brady is still Tom Brady, regardless of his age. He can still put up points in the playoffs. He's not really phased by playoff pressure. That's one thing I know about Tom Brady. So I think that he can go three, four rounds just to get to the Super Bowl and maybe even have a chance to win it from there. I like Brady coming and the Bucs coming out of the NFC. And then as for the AFC, uh, I do see Kansas City uh, coming through. But, I mean, if we want to be different, um, maybe... Jeez, I don't know who, 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 who I could see. Well, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, in terms of a defense, I think that could be Kansas City. In the AFC, I think I'd have to go with Indianapolis. They're really? the, I'd, I'd say they're the only defense that could be Kansas City in the AFC. Um, I, I don't see many other defenses matching up with them. Well, I guess a defense and offense combination because the way the Colts uh, run the ball, they'll, they'll keep Kansas City's offense off the field for a lot of the game. And that, that's the only way to beat Kansas City is to keep their offense off the field. You have to have a solid run game. You got you to gotta push the pace of the game to how you want to play it against them. If they're pushing the pace, it's just going to be – they're going to throw touchdowns all over you. So it's just one of those things. The problem is you have to worry about Philip Rivers actually producing well. I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong. I like the pick. I mean, I hope they're going to be the dark horse, and I hope they prove me wrong. But – um. If Rivers can't get his receiver core uh, in line and then probably producing, I feel like they're going to struggle if they do end up playing the Chiefs. Um, as you said, if you want to feel different, 
Uh, you got the Saints as well coming out of the NFC. Aside from that, um, I don't know, maybe the Seahawks, if they manage to outscore all the other teams going into the uh, NFC finals, whether it be um, the Bucks or if it's Green Bay or if it's the Saints, I feel like their offense can pretty much carry them. The problem is with them is their defense just gets scored on a lot. Yeah, I think uh, this wildcard weekend is going to be interesting to watch. And I guess uh, some of the teams that we've predicted to go far might be eliminated next week. So we'll probably have to update a lot of our predictions heading towards the Super Bowl. Uh, thanks, guys, for your time. And we'll move into the NBA portion of our Fantasy Fanatics podcast. All right, welcome to the basketball portion of the Fantasy Fanatics podcast. I'm your host, James. And once again, I'm joined by Terry and Nate. What's up, guys? Going on. So uh, today we'll be talking about some uh, pickups for the NBA uh, for fantasy. We'll be talking about some shallower pickups as well as some deep league pickups and talking a little bit about what's going on in the NBA this week. Um, I guess I'll start off um, with some shallow pickups. Um, I'll start with Ennis Cantor, and I know we did mention him last week, but he's continued to. Uh, not be picked up in, in most leagues. I believe he's still available in at least 55% of leagues. Um, he's just been a fantasy monster, even continuing this week, just putting up unreal point totals. Um, yeah, he'll chip in uh, points, rebounds. Uh, his percentages are pretty good as well. And um, he'll have the occasional steal and block as well. So he's definitely a must add for fantasy. Um, my next uh, pickup to recommend would be Rudy Gay from San Antonio um, with LaMarcus Aldridge uh, still being out with an injury. Uh, it seems like Rudy Gay is stepping into a lot of the minutes uh, that Aldridge had, and he's continued to produce with those minutes, uh, chipping in in about every category with about uh, two threes per game, at least 10 to 15 points, um, rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks. So he's a, a recommended uh, pickup and play in in most shallow leagues um and then um the third player that i was thinking of was um uh jordan clarkson um he's he, i know he's been a bench player but he's produced like he has been a starter um he, i believe he's inside the top 100 fantasy producers this season in basketball and he's just continued to grow in his role coming off the bench and um He's been dropping a lot of times, even uh, 20 points per game, um, rebounds, assists, uh, good percentages, so on and so forth. So um, I believe Clarkson is right at the 45 to 49% ownage. So he's almost owned in most leagues. So he is a must pick up right now as that percentage is going to continue to uptick in the coming days. Uh, Terry, let me go to you. What about you for some pickups? Uh, my first guy in the shadow league, I got to go with Eric Gordon. Um, in his three games back, I believe he averaged 19 points, three rebounds, two assists, probably a steal. And his percentages, as always, will always be great. Um, if you need him for points and most likely three-pointers, he's your guy. Uh, my next guy on the list is probably a guy that we've been talking about a lot in a few recent weeks when it comes to sleepers is Nicholas Batum. Um in the Clippers system right now, he's just filling in uh, perfectly, especially when guys like Kawhi Leonard or even Paul George are taking a day off on rest. 
My last guy in the shower league got to be Bismack Biyombo. Um, I believe he's only 31% owned. And with one of the Zeller brothers out in Charlotte, you just got to go with the next guy up, and that's Bismack. Um, I believe this past week he was averaging 9.7 rebounds, probably three assists. And unfortunately, when you do pick up a few centers, it's going to tank your uh, free throw percentages. But at least with the field goal, it's going to be around 500 when you pick up Bismack. Well, All right, Nate, uh, let's get to some shallow pickups from you. Who, who do you like uh, to pick up in shallow leagues? Um, in shallow leagues, I have Tyrese Halliburton and Bobby Portis. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton, he is just outside the top 100. He's ranked 103. He's averaging 10.6 points, two rebounds, 4.4 assists. Um. His free throw percentage is decent, but he doesn't go to the line every game. He shoots a decent amount of threes. He gets a decent amount of steals when he gets the chance, and his turnovers are fairly low. So I think that's pretty good for um, shallow leagues. And for Bobby Portis, he's getting over 20 minutes, uh, gets over 50% field goals, gets over 50% free throws. He gets one to two threes, which is, I think, pretty good for a big man. He gets 10.8 points, 7.7 rebounds, 1.2 assists. He basically fills up a bunch of categories, but he gets mostly points and rebounds. So I think that's also fairly good for shallow leagues. All right, that sounds good. Um, Terry, I'll swing it back to you. Uh, you said you had some deep league picks. Uh, just share who those guys are. Um, a few deep league pickups I got this week. Probably got to be starting off with Royce O'Neal from Utah Jazz. Um, on Yahoo, I know for sure he's small forward and power forward eligible. And even though he won't wow you with the points, he'll get you to other stats, whether it be three-pointers, his rebounds, or assists. And on top of that, he'll give you a nice percentage, probably 47 from the field. Unfortunately, with Royce, he is a 500 uh, percent three-point shooter or three-throw shooter. So that might be the only negative when it comes to his game as well as the points and not being consistent. But as you did mention, this is deep league pickups. Um, my next guy on the list got to be Jermichael Green. Um, coming off his injury, I believe he's averaging maybe two three-pointers a night, 11 points, four rebounds, two assists, as well as the occasional steal. As always, when it comes to big men, uh, he may tank your free throw percentages, but he does increase your uh, field goal percentages if you do pick him up. I believe he's shooting around 61% from the field right now. And my final guy for deep league pickups got to be Sadiq Bey. Um, I believe he is a rookie on the Detroit Pistons, and he only has small forward eligibility on Yahoo. But anytime Blake Griffin is going to be out for the Detroit Pistons. I guarantee you he will fill into the starting lineup. As well as knowing it's the Detroit Pistons, he might get a longer leash on Dwayne Casey's rotations just due to the fact that they are going to be rebuilding in the upcoming years. All right. Um, I'll go to Nate. Uh, 
you said you also had some deep league pickups. Who are we looking at here? Uh, for deep league, I have Avery Bradley, Austin Rivers, and Sterling Brown. Um, they're all uh, very deep league, league picks if you need them. Um, for Avery Bradley, to be honest, I think he should be owned a lot higher. I don't know why he's 6% owned, but basically he gets like 16 minutes over 50% field goal over 50% free throws, about two to four threes a game, 14 points, 1.8 rebounds, 1.5 assists and 0.6 steals. Like he gets almost a steal every game and his uh, turnover rate is pretty low too. And for Austin Rivers is kind of dependent on the minutes. I think Alec Burks is still out. So as long as he's out, you should probably have um, Austin Rivers, if you're looking for for another guard, um, I think for the couple of games he was playing, he was playing over 19 minutes, 50% field goal, one to three threes, 11 points, and 3.5 assists, 1.5 rebounds, and he was getting a couple of steals too. So, um, well, not like a couple, but like no, he was getting a decent amount of steals. So. I think if you're looking for a guard on the Knicks, I'd look at him right now until Alec Burks comes back. And for Sterling Brown, um, he's 2% owned, but I think he should be higher owned. Um, he's getting 20 minutes over 50% field goal, two to three threes a game, 9.8 points, three rebounds, one assist and 0.6 deals and he i think he only turns the ball over once this season i think his catch and shoot play style kind of uh goes into that but yeah i think he's uh, an underrated uh guard to have all right um did we get all of your pickups or are we missing anyone terry what about uh, you are we good i think we're good covered everything yeah, I think I think we were okay. Well, we got everyone that we wanted to talk about, and um, I'll just move on to the just the outlook so far of this season. I'll start with you, Terry, on on your thoughts about uh, what's going on in the NBA this week. Um, just thinking about the NBA this week, probably got to be what's going down in Tampa Bay with the Toronto Raptors. Um, I don't even know what to say for this franchise at this rate um they probably got to win over the New York Knicks but they really do have to clamp it down when it comes to other teams in the conference I don't know if they need to hold a team meeting or anything like that but I believe a lot of people did have high expectations when it came to this Toronto Raptors team not just with the culture that they established just being a suck it up and fight through it type of team, but just everything in general. I mean, they're one in five right now. What do you want me to say? Yeah, it's it's pretty tough. And um, I guess leading off of that, uh, another tough start would be the San Antonio Spurs at four and two, or at two and four, sorry. It's just been, I mean, it was a good start at the beginning of the year, but uh, without uh, LA in the lineup, it's just kind of, trailed off a little bit 
and um, it, it seems like it, it's a transition season for the Spurs, but um, I, I think that they can improve their record when Aldridge comes back. Um, let me just um, talk to you, Nate, as well. Uh, what are your thoughts on some things that have happened so far this season? Um, I'm a bit worried for the Raptors as well. Um, it's just they, they, I don't, I don't really know what to say either because it's not, it's not like their players are bad. It's like the same. It's pretty much the same lineup that they had last year, so they should have the like the continuity. I think it's just maybe it's just because this year is so different because they're not playing in Toronto, but it seems like um, the fit just doesn't seem to be there, even though they were fine last year. Um, I I know uh, for last game. I think the Celtics went all small ball and they weren't, I felt like they weren't giving Boucher enough touches. They could have just gave it to Boucher in the paint the entire time. I don't think they would have been able to stop him. And I felt like um, because Pascal likes to be in the paint a lot and they have a lot of slashing guards, it's kind of hard for them to kind of decide who gets to go in the paint. And I feel I feel like they need to improve their spacing a bit, but it's gotten it's gotten better over the last couple of games. But they still haven't been able to get wins. And uh, the refs have been really hard on Siakam. They've been giving him a lot of fouls. I think he fouled out twice. Um, I don't I don't really know why that's happening, but uh, Siakam kind of needs to get out of that i know a lot of fans they they like to say that the refs are always hard on toronto but i mean fouling out's fouling out so yeah i think that uh, he definitely needs to control uh, uh and get out of foul trouble and uh, speaking of fouls actually um with uh, demarcus cousins getting ejected last game for tex i think in general the the refing has been pretty pretty strict this year overall and um, some things that should pass for fouls are being called and, and so on. So it's been, it's been a tough year in terms of fouls. But um, uh, Terry, could I get your thoughts on the New York Knicks having a winning record? Um, it's surprising. But anything can happen during these situations, right? I mean, fans aren't allowed in the arena. So I guess it's um, one thing less for the players to think about. Um, aside from that, I mean, 76 is at the top, top of the conference as well as the Orlando Magic. But it's still, what, seven games in to this brand new season. So you just got to temper your expectations and um, wait for probably the 20 game mark, if anything. Yeah, we can see where everything shakes out around there. And uh, one more thing before we we end this. Um, Nate, I just wanted to ask you about Denver's rough start. Do you think that they can rebound? They're two and four right now. I think it's possible because they still have Jokic and Jamal Murray. So I still think that they're potentially a playoff team, but this year is just kind of a weird, a weird year, a weird basketball year. So we'll see. But as Terry said, it's like not even 20 games yet. So this could just be like a hiccup and they just need to figure some things out. 
What are a couple games this week that you feel that are going to be interesting, if anything? Uh, this week, I'm not entirely sure, to be honest. Let me check. Um, give me the, the Spurs and Clippers game uh, for, for Tuesday. Um, that could determine factors for both teams, actually. I feel it's just a tune-up game for the Clippers at this rate. I mean, the Spurs are just going to be tinkering with whatever players they got. And honestly, for the Clippers, it's just going to be um, a punching bag game, I feel like. And I, I believe the, the Raptors are swinging through the West this week. So if they uh, come out on the losing end of the majority of those games, I think it's going to be a rough season for Raptors fans as well. And um, I think Golden State's rolling into form. Steph Curry is looking like, you know, the guy. He might even win MVP this year the way he's playing. And I think that uh, although Golden State might not be a title contender this year, they should be a surefire playoff team in my eyes. Let's see, let's see. Honestly, I got to look forward to, especially if the podcast does come out on Thursday, it has to be... I believe the Nets in the 76ers. I personally believe that that might be the Eastern Conference Finals uh, matchup. But don't quote me on it. Another game I'm probably looking forward to, especially on the weekend, probably got to be what the Nuggets do against the 76ers as well. I mean, as you guys did say, if you want the Nuggets to turn their losing ways into winning ways, the best way to do it is against one of the top teams in the East. For sure. Nate, any last thoughts about this coming week? Um, I'm kind of interested in Cavs versus Magic because Cavs weren't a playoff team, but I think they're in the top eight this season. Yeah. So I'm going to be interested in what they have going on over there. And they're facing the Magic too, so it's going to be interesting. Yeah, Orlando's had a pretty hot start to start the year and uh, people have been talking about uh, Terrence Ross and they've been talking about some of the other players on that team. So I think this week's slate is going to shape up to be pretty good in terms of seeing where teams are at. All right. Thanks again, guys. And we'll move into the hockey portion of the podcast. Welcome back to the hockey segment of the fantasy fanatics podcast. I'm your host, Nathan, and we're here with our hockey expert, James Kumar. Hey, what's up, man? Nice chatting with you again about hockey. Pretty good. So today we're going to look at the Central Division. Yeah, Central Division. There's a lot of Eastern and Western teams mixed in there. It's going to be an interesting division to take a look at. So yeah, I'm ready to jump in. Sounds good. So we'll start off with the Carolina Hurricanes. So who are your top players for them? Um, yeah, looking at the Carolina Hurricanes uh, for fantasy, I think the, that whole top line of uh, left winger Andrei Svechnikov, center Sebastian Ajo, and right winger Tervu Teravainen, they should all be treated as uh, potential top 50 fantasy players um, with Ajo and Svechnikov potentially having a top 20 value. Um, they should definitely be going... Uh, well up into the the first and second rounds of drafts and um yeah th those should be your top options for them at forward on defense 
Um, I really like Dougie Hamilton. He really had a breakout last season. He continues to improve year by year, no matter where he plays. And he, he played very well before his injury last year. And also uh, Jacob Slavin. I know uh, most people see him as one of the best defensive defensemen in the league, but uh, I feel like that he hasn't fully reached his potential offensively. And I think that uh, if you maybe take a late flyer on him uh, on defense, I think he'll definitely uh, turn, turn in some, some points for you. Sounds good. So who are some uh, sleeper picks? Um, one sleeper pick I have for the Hurricanes uh, would be Martin Nachas. And uh, he, he's an interesting option because uh, he actually broke out last year. I could also see him sliding into that uh, top power play role alongside the, the big three forwards and uh, Dougie Hamilton. So he'd have prime power play exposure to those players. I feel like that his production can increase um, playing on that top power play and also uh, potentially either being center or on the wing for the second line for Carolina. Sounds good. And uh, how are the goalies on this team? Uh, in terms of goalies, I know there's a lot of uh, negative connotation towards uh, Carolina's goaltending tandem, uh, but they haven't been too bad in terms of fantasy for the past uh, couple of years. Um, Peter Mrazek definitely should be owned in almost every league for the amount of uh, starts that he makes for a good Carolina Hurricanes team. And um, in deeper formats, if you're looking for a goalie that's definitely going to have good percentages and get some decent wins, you can take a look at James Reimer. Um, the starts might be more split than we're expecting. So um, if anything happens to Mrazek, I think James Reimer is definitely a must add as he, he is a, he's a decent goaltender on, on a pretty good uh, Hurricanes team with uh, good defense on that team. Sounds good. So this Carolina Hurricanes team seems like it's a little overlooked and you might find some good picks for them. Yeah, they've definitely been overlooked and underappreciated the past few seasons, but they are definitely one of the stronger teams in this division. Sounds good. And next, we will move to the Chicago Blackhawks. So who are the top players for this team? Uh, yeah, actually, Chicago's a very interesting team in that um, both Jonathan Taves and Kirby Doc seem to have sustained some sort of injuries and they're out for the foreseeable future. So um, it, it's very uh, tough to, to take a look at the offensive potential of this team now. Um, Patrick Kane, um, I know he's been falling off of uh, draft boards. Uh, he's been dropping a little bit. Uh, he was going in the first round, most drafts, but he has been dropping into the second round because of the questions up front with who he might be playing with. Um, Patrick Kane's still a top-end option. He's one of the few players in the league that can put, put up over 100 points in an 82-game season. So I think he can be a point-a-game player in this 56-game season, even without uh, high-end line, line mates, as he continues to always uh, elevate the players around him. Um, also, a 30-goal scorer rookie last year, Dominic Kubelik, uh, should definitely step into a higher offensive role uh, with the, the absences uh, there at center. And uh, also, uh, Alex Dabrinkit, who kind of had a step back last year after his rookie year, but I feel like he'll have to step into a, a bigger role this season. Um, in terms of their defense, uh, there's not a lot uh, there for you for fantasy, uh, on Chicago as they have struggled defensively. Uh, the only player I would look at is probably Duncan Keith. Uh, he's been on their blue line for years. I know he's a lot older now, but they're still going to be relying on him a lot and he should see power play time. So he should be able to chip in here and there for you on defense. Sounds good. So who are some sleeper picks for this team? 
Um, for sleeper picks, I went with Dylan Strom. Um, I actually got him in the last round of uh, a draft I had uh, this past weekend. And uh, Dylan Strom is potentially stepping into the number one center spot uh, on Chicago with both Doc and Taves uh, on, on the injury reserve right now. So Dylan Strom could be playing potentially with Patrick Kane and anyone that gets exposure to Patrick Kane is going to produce regardless. And I think that Dylan Strong can be that sneaky late pick um, for you in fantasy that can, that can really do, do some damage for you uh, this fantasy season. Sounds good. So uh, who are the goalies that you like on this team? Um, I think I'm staying away from most of the goalies on this team. We don't even know who the starter is going to be. It's probably just going to be a mix of their three goalies, uh, Malcolm Subban, uh, Colin Delia, and Kevin Lankinen. Um, We don't know which one's going to take over the net, and we don't know how well they're going to play. None of them have uh, played well as a starting goalie in the NHL as of yet. And uh, with the way Chicago is defensively, they're going to be facing a lot of shots a night. So I don't expect their percentages to be very good. I don't expect them to put up a lot of wins or shutouts. So I think it's very difficult to take a look at the goalies, but I think from a a standpoint right now, if you're really desperate and you're in like a 14 or 16 man league, I mean, you could take a look at Malcolm Subban. I think that he might be the starter going into this season. All right. So it looks like Chicago's Marvin offense team if you're looking for picks and you should probably stay away from defense and goalies yeah i think that even with these injuries on offense i didn't mention alex needlander he'll also he's also a, a forward that will be out for them yeah it, it's just tough to look anywhere on this team um besides uh, patrick kane and i mean you could take a flyer on a couple of the other guys but aside from that it's tough to look at this team fantasy wise all right, sounds good. So next, we will move to the Columbus Blue Jackets. And uh, who are some top players that you like on this team? Um, with Columbus, uh, they're, they're a very good team. That um, uh, They're very good defensively. Um, I know in past years, they haven't been amazing offensively, but I believe that they can step up this season. Um, some forwards that you could look at from them, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, of course, their top center, as well as a uh, top right winger, Cam Atkinson. They should both be great fantasy options this season. They should cover most categories, especially Dubois who can cover hits. Uh, He'll definitely cover shots. Um, Atkinson will definitely help you a little more on shots and probably goals as he is the top goal scorer on their team. Also uh, their other right winger, Oliver Bjorkstrand is also a guy that you can account for, for shots and for goals. He'll also most likely be on that top power play. Uh, He, he might actually be a breakout candidate this year as a player who's sort of, has a higher potential to get to um, on the blue line. The two, they're, they're two uh, cornerstones, uh, Seth Jones and Zach Wierenski. Uh, you have to draft uh, these guys in, in fantasy um, or at least one of them, if you can, uh, Seth Jones, uh, their top uh, minutes and points guy. And then Zach Wierenski actually fun fact, he led the league in goals for defensemen last year with 20. So he's definitely a defenseman that can score goals. So He's definitely someone you need to be looking at for fantasy. Sounds good. So who are some sleeper picks for this team? Um, Sleeper pick. I actually went with Max Domi. He just came from Montreal in that trade. I think they want him to be the second line center. So he'll either have Bjorkstrand or Cam Atkinson on his line um, this year. So uh, I figure he'll just produce um, with whichever winger he has. Um, 
and yeah, he, he just seems like the kind of guy that's going to bounce back after a rough season last year, and he's being given the opportunity in Columbus to do so. Sounds good. So who are the goalies that you like on this team? Um, I actually like both goalies. Um, I think they'll both get drafted in, in most 12-team uh, leagues. Um, uh, both Elvis, Elvis Merz-Lincolns and Yoni Corpusallo, they're both solid goalies. I know Corpusallo was getting most of the starts when he was healthy last year and in the playoffs. So I think maybe he's the 1A and then uh, Merz-Lincolns is like the 1B. So I think if you're drafting, I know Merz-Lincolns has been going over Corpusallo just because people think, oh, he's younger, the potential, the talent kind of thing. But I think that Corpusallo still needs to be going ahead of him in drafts. But they're, they're both solid options. They had solid stats last year. They played for a, a solid Columbus team with a solid defense. So they definitely should be owned because they'll, they'll have really good averages. And I think Merzlikens had a lot of shutouts last year. So that's another thing to look at. Sounds good. So it looks like this Columbus team this year looks like a pretty solid all-around team. Yeah, and... I think I think all-around is the right word to, to describe them. And, and yeah, you were saying? Yeah, I was just going to say... Um, any of these players that we just mentioned, if you pick them up, uh, I think you can rely on them. Yeah, they, they should be reliable. I know Columbus has struggled fantasy-wise in past seasons, but I think we're getting to that point where we can get past that and say that these are reliable players for fantasy. Sounds good. And now we're going to go to the South with uh, the Dallas Stars. And uh, what are some top players that you like on this team? Oh yeah, Dallas is another interesting team. They went to the Stanley Cup Finals last year. They lost to Tampa Bay, and um, uh, with Tyler Sagan and Ben Bishop uh, having surgeries, which will put them off for most of the regular season, if not all of it. Um, two guys that were fantasy cornerstones for this team are now not going to be available this season. So uh, I think Dallas also with some scoring wo like woes that they've had in in past years and not being able to score goals. Um, I think they're a tough look in terms of fantasy, um, but there are some good names here. Uh, Jamie Benn, their captain, um, he's always been solid in any league that counts hits. So he's definitely someone you can look for. Hits, goals, power play points, that kind of thing. Um, Alex Radulov should slot in on the top line with Jamie Benn. Um, he should be good for uh, goals, assists, power play points, and he, he shoots the puck quite a bit, so he'll get a lot of shots for you. Um, and also breakout goal scorer, uh, he was a rookie last year, Denis Garyanov. Um, he really broke out as a goal scorer for Dallas, and I think he should continue to step up with guys like Sagan out of the lineup. Um, looking at defense, uh, both uh, of their defensemen that were cornerstones for them in the playoffs, um, that, that were top-end scorers for them, uh, Mero Haskinen and uh, John Klingberg, both of them should be owned in fantasy. They're both going to have really high ceilings this year. Um, they, they might even threaten the lead for, for scoring on this team without a lot, without Sagan being there. So I, I think both those guys should be owned in, in any, any leagues, especially 12 team leagues. Sounds good. So, uh, who are some good goalies for this team? Um, goalies, um, I think it's just Anton Hudobin, uh, with Ben Bishop out, it's Hudobin's net. He took them all the way to the Stanley cup finals as a backup goalie last year. And I think, uh, being named the starter this season, 
I think he's just definitely the guy. I don't see anyone behind him. I think Ottinger is behind him. I don't see him taking uh, enough starts to be fantasy relevant. So I think Hudovin should be drafted in, in most leagues. He should be going as maybe a, a top 15 goalie this fantasy season. Um, one thing I wanted to add is uh, uh, Joe Pavelski as a, as a sleeper for this team uh, for fantasy. I think that um, some people might stay away from him because, you know, his age and so on. But he could step into the number one center spot with Tyler Sagan being out. So um, him getting those prime minutes again, like he was getting in San Jose a couple years ago, I think should increase his value. He also hits, you know, he'll take shots, you know, he, he's one of those players that will chip in, in in almost every category for you in fantasy. So just adding that sleeper option in there, I think Joe Pavelski is a guy that you can take maybe in the second or second last or last round of your draft. Sounds good. So it looks like this team with uh, Sagan out, they're going to show how much uh, depth that they have and, especially for the defensemen, you really want those two players. Yeah, I think depth is the the right word. That's what got this team all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals last year. Um, they're definitely going to have to show that, that that wasn't a fluke, that they can, can do, that they can produce on a consistent basis. Sounds good. And now we'll head back east into Michigan with the Detroit Red Wings. And uh, what are some top players that you like with this team? Um, with the Red Wings, uh, I know they had a tough year last year, and I know last year uh, we were saying to sort of stay away from everyone from Detroit. I know it was a model that I had in most of my leagues, but this year I think there might be some good options. I know um, the number one option should be Dylan Larkin. Uh, he's their number one center. He's their future. Um, he should be looked at for fantasy. I know the plus minus of anyone on this team is most likely going to be deep in the minus, um, but he can still produce in other categories. He'll get you points. He'll play on the number one power play. He'll be getting shots. Um, Anthony Mantha, when he was healthy, he was their leading scorer uh, in terms of both goals and points. So he's someone that should be looked at as well as um, the third guy on that line, uh, Tyler Bertuzzi. Uh, if you're really looking for hits, Bertuzzi will really chip in in that area. He'll get some goals also. He should be playing on one of the power plays, if not the top power play. So he's the other guy I look at on forward for this team. Um, in terms of defense, um, I wouldn't look... Uh, I wouldn't look at a lot of defensemen on this team. Philip Hironik is probably the only one that I might take a flyer on maybe a bit later uh, if you need someone just because uh, he, he's going to be on the ice all the time for them this season. Uh, he should be their number one defenseman this year. And uh, being that number one defenseman and being on the ice for, for that long for Detroit means you're going to be deep in the minus, but he should chip in in almost every other category. So I think you should be, um, you should be okay with him uh, uh, as long as you're okay with the, the minus. Sounds good. So who are some sleeper picks for this team? Um, this team is full of young players. So there's a lot of guys that could be sleepers on this team. Like, I mean, I could have gone with someone like Bobby Ryan. I could have gone with someone like um, maybe um, Ray, Raymond if he, if he comes over this year and plays for Detroit. But I'm going to go with uh, Philip Zadina. A lot of people have been calling him a bust. I've even said at some points that he has looked like he might be a bust. But um, if he gets increased playing time this year, I think that Zadina has an opportunity to break out for this team. And I mean, if you're in a deep league and you really want to get a guy that has the, that potential and can get those minutes where he'll be on the ice enough to produce, I think Zadina could be that guy. So he might be worth a late round flyer in fantasy. Sounds good. And... Uh... Who are the goalies that you like on this team? 
Um, in terms of goalies, um, I probably wouldn't own any of the two goalies on this team. Um, if I'm in a deep league and I want to own one, I think Thomas Grice is the guy. Um, unless uh, we hear that Jonathan Bernier gets the starting job. But I think they brought in Thomas Grice from the Islanders. He played well for the Islanders both in the season and when they needed him in the playoffs. So I think Grice is going to be the number one guy going forward. So if there's any goalie to own, it's going to be Grice. But you're going to have to temper your expectations as his averages and wins and shutouts might not, most likely will not be at the same level that they were in New York. Sounds good. So this year we won't say avoid Detroit. But at the same time, we'll, we will say that the offensive players might want to look at, but not necessarily the other two. Um, um, yeah, it's just, it's just going to be tough to look at them overall. Um, we'll have to see how the season progresses because we don't know how any team is going to do until we actually hop into the season. But it's just projections. So, Yeah, sounds good. All right, and now we're going to move back south and uh, we're going to look at the Florida Panthers. So... What are some top players that you like on this team? Um, for the Panthers, uh, they're two top guys, uh, Alexander Barkov and Jonathan Huberdeau. They're top-end players. They should be going, both of them, in the top 30 in drafts. So you should be getting them in uh, either the second or the third round, uh, depending on where you're drafting. Uh, they're both excellent players. They'll both produce uh, for almost every category. Um, hits, maybe not as much, but shots, points, power play, plus minus should also be decent as well. Um, so yeah, those two guys uh, you should be going for as well as recently acquired forward from Pittsburgh, Patrick Hornquist. He's normally a guy that will chip in from every category. He gets lots of hits, lots of shots. Sometimes he'll, he'll even play on the top power play, which is looking like he might do this year. He'll, he might play in front of the net on the power play. So uh, he'll definitely be in line for some power play points as well. Um, and in terms of defense, um, Keith Yandel's still their top guy. He's going to be on the top power play and so on, um, as well as a, a former number one overall pick, uh, Aaron Ekblad. Um, I don't think we've seen uh, the the ceiling for Ekblad yet in terms of his offense. I think that he can, he has more offense to give. So I think this year he does have a chance to sort of break out in, the, in that fashion. So I think both defensemen, Yandel and Ekblad, should be owned in fantasy. Sounds good. And uh, what are some sleeper players on this team? Um, well, Florida recently signed forward Anthony Duclair. He was the all-star for the Ottawa Senators last year. It was it was a Ottawa team that was, you know, rebuilding. They were um, bottom three in the league. And Duclair really had a good season for them. And he was just scoring at an unreal pace uh, for, for the way the team was going. And I think uh, Duclair, I believe, has been practicing on the top line with Huberdeau and Barkov. So that might be a sneaky sleeper in terms of uh, someone that you might be able to get late, maybe uh, second last round, maybe last round. Uh, if you're looking at an, an extra winger, I believe he can play both wing spots in Yahoo. So that's another thing to look at that he might be a nice sleeper from this team. Sounds good. And how do you feel about the goalies on this team? Um, for the goalies on this team, it's just Sergei Bobrovsky. He's the guy that needs to be looked at. Uh, we don't know who the backup's going to be between Drieger and Montembo. So uh, I think, and also I think Sergei Bobrovsky, they're paying him, what, $10 million a year. Um, and, you know, they, they committed to him long-term, so he's going to be their guy. 
Um, he did improve at the end of last season, playing a lot better in, in the play-in round to try and make the playoffs. But I know he had a rough season last year. I, I believe he's one of the guys that can bounce back. So I think it is t- safe to take Bobrovsky as one of your goalies. Um, you might even be able to get him as your second or third goalie, um, which which might be nice if he does have a bounce back year. You're in line for a good fantasy season for your goalies. Sounds good. So this team looks like kind of... I guess, a sleeper team, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that uh, with the right coaching, I mean, they have their coach is John Quenville. He's a three-time Stanley Cup champion with the Chicago Blackhawks. So um, if he can, you know, get this team turned around, if this team can sort of just um, uh, get into, you know, maybe the the fourth or fifth spot and maybe squeak into that fourth spot and make the playoffs, this is an underrated team for sure. Sounds good. And now we will go to the Nashville Predators. And what are some top players that you like on this team? Um, so for Nashville, I know they've been criticized in terms of their forwards not not having a top end scorer. Um, when Philip Forsberg is healthy, he's definitely their best forward, and he should be owned in all fantasy formats. He should chip in in most categories. Um, Matt Duchesne as well. I know that there has been some disappointments with Duchesne, but um, if he is the center for Philip Forsberg, I think that they can play well together and they can both bounce back f- uh, from last season. Um, also, their second line center, Ryan Johansson, um, he's usually good, great in assists. Uh, he'll play on the power play. You know, he'll he'll get you, um, you know, a, a few different categories. So he's definitely someone to look at. Um, but Nashville is more centered around their defense. Um, there's actually three defensemen that I like and three defensemen that most likely should be owned in every league. Um, I'll start with Roman Yossi. Uh, he is the Norris winner for defenseman of the year uh, last year. Um, he was, I'd say he was the best defenseman in the league last year. And I think that, yeah, he needs to be, I'd say one of the top five defensemen going off the board in fantasy. Um, he's definitely that good. Um, also looking at Matias Ekholm and Ryan Ellis. Um, Ekholm might have the, the better stats in terms of like hits or plus minus, but Ellis might have the better points, uh, maybe a, a few more shots as well. So I think uh, they both balance out. Um, I might give the slight edge to Ellis for fantasy, but they're both excellent defensemen that should be owned. Sounds good. So who's the sleeper pick for this team? Uh, sleeper pick for this team is Victor Arvidsson. Normally, he's going higher in drafts. I've seen him going in the, the mid-200s, and I'm not sure why. Um, he can chip in in every category. He normally plays on the top power play uh, in front of the net, and he, he'll get hits, shots. He, he's a very good goal scorer, too. He's an underrated goal scorer. So um, he's definitely sh- someone that should be owned. I don't know why he's going so late in drafts. He should definitely be going inside the top 200 in every draft. Sounds good. And uh, what do you think about the goalies on this team? Uh, the goaltending situation is interesting here. I know that UC Saros took over the starting job last year. So I think he should be the goalie owned. Um, Pecorine, I mean, if you're in a deep league, he's definitely worth owning because he will see time in the net in the shortened season. Um, I know Rene's had a lot of past success with Nashville, but he, he is on the, the back nine of his career. He's not... Um, you know, he's not the youngest uh, of goalies. So I think Saros should be the guy that should be getting drafted, maybe as like your third goalie or something. And then maybe Rene, you could take a flyer on him late if there's not a lot of goalies left on the board. Sounds good. So this uh, Nashville team looks like a very strong defensive team overall. 
Yeah, they've always been strong defensively over the years. Uh, they just need to sort of get the offense and the goaltending to sort of match up with that, and I think they can be a good team. Sounds good. And now we have another potential title contender left, and that's the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, uh, Tampa Bay, your Stanley Cup champions from 2020. Um, yeah, it's been an interesting offseason for them, uh, losing Nikita Kucherov to injury, their top scorer. He, he's most likely going to be out for the entire fantasy season, so that's a big blow to Tampa Bay and to our projection of them uh, really running away with the division and possibly the president's trophy. So um, looking at this team, Steven Stamkos looks like he's ready to go for the season. Um, any injury concerns he had last year, both in the season and in the playoffs, seem to be gone. So he should really step up as the top scorer from, for this team, uh, as well as Braden Point. Braden Point really stepped up in the playoffs for them last year. So he should definitely be their top center uh, on the top line and uh, most likely on that top line as well, uh, forward Andre Palat. Palat's one of those guys that can sort of chip in different categories, maybe get hits, maybe get some goals. You know, most Tampa players will have a good plus minus. That's another bonus about this team. And uh, maybe another guy like Alex Kalorn might find himself on the top line as well. So he's been known to put up good stats in fantasy. You might see him on the waiver wire a lot, but he's definitely one of those guys you can just pick up off the waiver, throw him in for a game, and he should be able to produce for you. Um, in terms of defense, um, Victor Hedman, I mean, he's one of the best defensemen in the league. Uh, he won the, the finals MVP this year for Tampa Bay. He actually um, broke the goals record for a defenseman in the playoffs. Uh, this year so he he's just on another level when it comes to his gameplay and I, I mean apparently he was doing that battling an injury as well so with him hopefully fully healthy going into this season he should be one of the top three defensemen taken in fantasy and as well you can look at uh their other defenseman Mikhail Sergachev uh, he just signed a, a contract with them and seems like he's ready to go he's ready to produce and they should be giving him more minutes this season um with uh, some of the guys leaving like Shattenkirk and so on in the off season. So uh, with more minutes for Sergachev, I definitely think he can produce for them on defense. Sounds good. And uh, who do you think is the sleeper pick for this team? Uh, there's a few guys, actually. Um, I went with Anthony Sorelli just because uh, with Kucherov missing, instead of having Stamkos at center, they might put him on the wing on the top line, which would make room for Sorelli to play center on the second line. And moving Sorelli up to the second line and potentially the top power play would definitely improve his chances at producing for fantasy. He's been going um, in the late 100s, and that shouldn't be the case. Uh, Tampa Bay is one of the top scoring teams they have been for the past uh, three or four seasons. Um, he should be producing. Uh, he played well uh, last year. I believe he was a rookie last year. He played really well. And uh, I think he should continue to grow uh, as a center uh, for Tampa Bay. Sounds good. And uh, what do you think about the goalies on this team? Uh, the goalie on this team is Andre Vasilevsky. Uh, he's the best goalie in fantasy. He was the best goalie in the playoffs last year. Um, some teams uh, played their backup goalie on back-to-back -back nights last year in both the play-in and the playoffs, but uh, Vasilevsky played every game. Um, they just um, played him and played him and played him, and he didn't falter. So he's the guy going forward for Tampa Bay. He should be the top goalie going off the board. I know he slipped a little bit with the news about Kucherov, but he should be taken late first round, early second round in most 12-team formats. And in terms of a backup for this team, I 
Uh, I mean, it's probably going to be Curtis McElhaney again, but I wouldn't take him in fantasy. It's just going to be Vasilevsky. He's going to be playing the, the bulk share of games for this team. Sounds good. So we have a division with uh, two potential NHL title contenders on this. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, uh, two teams that the two teams that went to the finals actually are being put in the same division in Dallas and Tampa Bay, which is interesting. And also um, Carolina and Columbus having solid rosters with Nashville and Florida being in the mix. And then you've got um, Chicago and Detroit near the bottom. But yeah, this is going to be a fun division to watch. All right. I think that pretty much wraps up our recap for this week. Yeah, I also want to mention about our hockey pool contest that we have going on. Uh, you'll see the link in the description of this podcast and uh, the video on YouTube. Um, we're having a hockey pool. You just uh, put in your uh, your team, uh, 12 forwards, uh, six defense, three goalies. Uh, and, and if you enter your team and you win, uh, you'll win an interview on this podcast. So um, it's a fun little contest, you know, um, just, uh, come support us, you know, join the hockey pool. Uh, all of us are going to be playing in the hockey pool. So it's going to be a fun way to enjoy uh, this year's, uh, NHL season. Sounds good. And, uh, see us next week. We'll, we'll be recapping the next NHL division. Yeah, I think, uh, we just have the West division left. So I think that's going to be our last uh, division recap for fantasy. And then we'll go ahead uh, first into the season all right welcome to the injury report of the fantasy fanatics podcast i'm joined once again by sheridan college at student victoria kumar welcome hi uh let's just hop right into the injuries we'll start with the nfl it's wild card weekend and we're here to talk about some of the offensive injuries that might relate to uh, daily fantasy that you might be playing this weekend uh, let's go to daryl henderson and cam Akers, running backs for the um LA Rams. Yeah, so I'll start with Daryl Henderson. Um, both of them have an ankle injury, but like I said, I'll begin with Daryl Henderson. Uh, last week, he seems to have been completely rolled out. Um, and this week as well, it seems because he's been placed on that IR. Um, what actually happened with the ankle injury when I watched the footage, um, it seemed that his foot got trapped in the dirt at the goal line, they were kind of making a goal line run. Um, and because his foot got trapped in the dirt, it looked like a pretty severe ankle twist. Uh, because of this, uh, the running, jack, uh, running back job will most likely fall to Malcolm Brown and Cam uh, Ackers. Um, Cam Ackers is also suffering with an ankle injury, but it seems he will be back this week, possibly in a limited capacity. So you'll see more of Malcolm Brown, but he will still play a little bit. Yeah, I believe Ackers did play this past week. So I guess we will be most likely seeing him again. Yeah. All right. Um, what about Jared Goff? Yeah. So Jared Goff, again, as we talked about last week, he had thumb surgery to fix his uh, thumb fracture. Um, it, he is a very key part of the Rams team, as we know. So he probably will uh, play this week. I can almost guarantee it um, as they're going to need to find a way to pull out a win against the Seahawks. Um, and don't forget when he originally fractured it, they actually took him to the sideline. The doctor reset the fracture and he continued to play and he still played through that fracture. So if he can play Play through the original fracture I'm sure he can play through the surgery that he just got I guess with all these injuries to the Rams I think guess the game is uh, favoring the Seahawks you think um yeah I guess we'll have to see what happens this week all right um what about uh the Buffalo Bills uh Cole Beasley 
Yeah, so uh, Cole Beasley injured his knee back in week 16. They've really released nothing on it or what's even happened. And on Tuesday, he was still sidelined for practice, and they actually brought in a backup receiver to play within the practice squad. So that already doesn't look good for him, doesn't look like they're expecting him back, as they've kind of replaced someone else in that role to uh, cover for him. Uh, yeah, this week, John Brown looked uh, healthy as he caught a touchdown, but it looks like Stefan Diggs is on the injury report. What's going on with him? Yeah, so Stefan Diggs was added uh, to the injury report due to an oblique injury. Um, just to kind of break down what your obliques are, they're part of your core muscles. You have two oblique muscles, your internal and your external obliques. They're what allows your body to rotate, um, to make side-to-side uh, -side, uh, trunk movements. So they're very important, obviously, in football and in general movement. Uh, you have to be able to turn your trunk. If you want to make a, a catch, you got to be able to turn and that kind of thing. Um, however, though, it looks like um, it's just a light stress, probably a grade one tear. Um, so even so, he'll most likely play it after a few days uh, rest. And so he should be good for the game, most likely, especially since Cole Beasley is already out. Uh, what about Mike Evans from Tampa Bay? Uh, we saw him go down there in the end zone. What happened? Yeah, so this past weekend, he went down with a hyperextended knee. So that's where your knee goes beyond uh, extension, beyond the normal point of extension. Um, he's questionable right now. They've kind of uh, placed him on this day-to-day. -day. Um, and he did not practice on Tuesday, but he did do that walkthrough, which is where they go over the plays and stuff for that weekend. Um, and like that, the videos and so on with the coaching staff. Um, so because he's in the loop regarding all these plays, it's possible they look to hopefully have him back. Um, so hopefully we're going to keep watching him practice. And then if he's practiced by Friday, he should be good to go. But if he hasn't uh, by Friday, I think they play Saturday. So I can assume that he won't be playing. Yeah, they play Saturday. But I think even if he doesn't play, they'll be okay with both Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown as their wide receivers. Mm -hmm. um, looks like Darnell Mooney is on the injury list. Uh, what happened there? I think I saw something on the sideline. Yeah, so he was hit in week 17 near the sideline after avoiding some tacklers. It originally looked kind of more like a shoulder or head injury, but then it seemed they labeled him as an ankle injury. So maybe he twisted it while uh, running. Um, he didn't return for the rest of the game. Uh, but by the video, the injury didn't look very severe. So he will probably be back this week to kind of uh, help the Bears, obviously, in this playoff round. Well, it looks like there's some names on the COVID list. I know there's a whole situation going on in Cleveland, but what about some of the other teams? Um, so we'll start with uh, Cooper Cup. Uh, he tested positive for COVID just before week 17, so he did not play in that final week of the season because of it. With that being said, if he does test negative and then obviously does not show any symptoms for 72 hours, he might be able to play this weekend. But honestly, I wouldn't bet on it because most people who test positive for COVID, you're out for at least a couple weeks. Um, so we're just going to have to watch him, obviously. But again, like I said, wouldn't count on it. Uh, moving on to Eric uh, Ebron, he was placed on COVID-19 due to close contact so it wasn't due to a positive test he missed week 17 already um so again um oh yeah sorry it was due to close contact so because he missed week 17 already he probably will uh play this weekend yeah um one thing I noticed for the playoffs they've in increased the the COVID uh day thing from seven to ten days um I'm not sure why that's the case some people say it's just to keep players from you know being reckless and so on but I don't know do you have an opinion on that um I don't really know it could be just due to regulations in certain states they want to maybe match that 
Um, so maybe specific states where things are going on, they've increased that quarantining and instructed the NFL to do so. So maybe they just did it NFL wide. I actually have no idea. Uh, but of course, that's bad for teams if you get on the COVID-19 yeah, uh, list. Two games. Exactly. Yeah. And that's bad for playoffs because obviously you could be out for the rest of the time that your team's in the playoffs. Uh, what about the Saints running back situation with Kamara and Murray? Yeah, so we'll start with Alvin Kamara. So he tested positive for COVID-19, causing him to miss week 17. Like Cooper Cup, he's probably not going to play this week because he was positive. Latavius Murray was put on the COVID list due to close contact with Alvin Kamara because obviously they're both running backs for the Saints. Uh, but he should be back and ready to go, assuming that he tests negative, um, like Eric uh, Ebron from Pittsburgh. Yeah, I think that if Kamara is not playing, Latavius Murray could be in for a big workload mm -hmm. at running back. Uh, let's move over to the NBA I will start with Alec Burks. What's going on with him? So uh, like I mentioned last week with Alec Burks, um, he sustained an ankle injury. Uh, we don't know much about it or its severity, but it looks more of like a second degree uh, ankle sprain as he's now in a walking boot and they have reported that he'll miss at least another week. Um, so kind of just be sure to keep him on your bench for the next week, week and a half, depending. All right, what about Darius Garland? Uh, so Darius Garland has a shoulder sprain. He missed Monday's game kind of due to this sprain. Um, just kind of looking at shoulder sprains in general, we obviously don't know exactly what he sprains, but uh, most shoulder injuries, you you will sprain your uh, glenohumeral ligament, which runs across the front of the shoulder joint. Um, so this itself should put him out for at least a week, depending on its severity. Um, so we'll just have to watch and see if he plays. Um, I don't expect him back until the end of next week, uh, kind of like Alex Burks. Um, what about Derek White? I know he was battling injuries in week past. Uh, we didn't always report on each report for him, but what's the report on him now? Um, so he has sustained a fracture on his foot um, just after returning from his previous foot injury. Um, the fracture is on his left foot and it's the second toe and it's his proximal phalanx. So what a proximal phalanx is, is that this is your second toe. This is the distal, middle, and proximal phalanx. Um, so he uh, fractured the one that's closest to his foot, the closest segment of his toe to his foot. Um, this fracture was a non-displaced fracture, so it did not come out of alignment. Um, it kind of stayed uh, within alignment. It just has like a crack in it. Uh, we don't really know when he'll return, but if you're out with a fracture, most likely a month or so, uh, because especially in the foot, you don't want that to turn into a stress fracture where you're constantly stressing the area because that will uh, push you out for long. Um, what about uh, Gallinari? So he has a right ankle sprain. He suffered this last Wednesday uh, against the Nets. He's not returned since that game. He will not be reevaluated for at least another week, so we probably won't see him play until at least next weekend. All right. Uh, what about TJ Warren? It seems like he had a pretty bad injury. So teacher Warren underwent a stress fracture on his left foot. This is essentially where, like I mentioned, uh, tiny cracks appear in the bone. They're like little micro fractures. They're caused by like a repetitive overuse force and stress fractures often occur in sports with running, with jumping. So in basketball, you do see quite a lot of stress fractures. Um, he said he's going to undergo surgery to repair this and he's now been placed on IR. That being said, he's probably going to be out for the next month or so. We're obviously just going to have to watch his return and what his doctors are saying. 
Um, stress fractures are easily re-aggravated, so he needs to make sure he's arresting and allowing that healing process to work. Um, and he's previously dealt with plantar fasciitis, which is interesting because that can be caused by another overuse, overstress type of injury on your foot. So simply, he really needs to rest up his feet. <laughs> All right. What about the NBA COVID situation? It looks like the Houston thing is wrapped up, but what's going on around the league? Yeah. So um, starting with Michael Porter Jr., he was put on the COVID list due to close contact late last week. It looks like he will clear the COVID test on Wednesday, so he'll probably play Thursday's game against the Mavericks. Uh, then moving on to Kevin Durant, he was put on the COVID list early this week, and it's expected to be quarantined for the next seven days. Uh, this means he'll be out for the next week, so kind of adjust your fantasy lineups accordingly. Uh, then Lori uh, Markinen, he's been recovering from a left calf contusion, like I think I mentioned last week or the week before. Um, he seems to be all good with that calf injury, but then he got put on the COVID-19 list due to close contacts. Um, he won't be playing this weekend due to the quarantine and the fact also that the team's out on the road. So most likely he'll be back for Tuesday's game against Boston Celtics. All right. Um, let's move over to the NHL. There's a few injuries to report on that we haven't reported on last week. Uh, Mika Zibanejad. So starting with Mika Zibanejad, we don't really know a lot about his injury. They did not release anything. It's kind of an undisclosed injury. He has not been a part of many of these preseason practices. Um, the coach says, though, he doesn't believe it's severe and doesn't think he's going to miss this season opener. So we're going to have to watch and see in the coming days how he progresses as he's kind of labeled like that day-to-day -day type of player. All right. Uh, what about Jack Eichel? Um, so Jack Eichel has been dealing with an upper body injury. Uh, they have not stated much beyond this, and he's been put out of last week's practice um, because of this. He did practice this week on Wednesday, but we don't know if he was limited or not or kind of what went down. They didn't state a lot about the practice, um, but the team does believe he'll start the season kind of like I mentioned with Sabinajad. Seems more day to day rather than a very severe injury. Um, what about uh, the other Buffalo Sabres forward, Victor Olofsson? Uh, so Victor Olofsson, like Eichel, is also out for an upper body injury. They didn't state much more than that. Um, he's back to practicing on Wednesday, and like Eichel, he should be good to go for the season opener. Um, going uh, to the Boston Bruins, is there an update on Brad Marchand? Um, so yeah, Brad Marchand, like I mentioned a couple of podcasts ago, that he'll be back by mid-January, early February, around there. But it actually looks like good news. He's probably going to be back mid-January range um, as he plans to be there for that season opener he mentioned. Um, this is amazing news for fantasy owners, obviously, because those who played keepers kind of got stuck with him, didn't know when he was going to return. Um, one thing about his oblique injury that he actually mentioned, he was revealing a little bit about it. Um, he kind of had a sports hernia, which is like an oblique uh, muscle tear or a um, not just your obliques. It could be your um, your other core muscles uh, where they attach in the pelvis. So um, it seems that he's actually been dealing with this for a couple years. He must have first originally pulled a muscle, one of his core muscles, a couple years ago and didn't let it fully heal and he kept playing with it. So he's actually been dealing with this for a while. He first salted on one side and now both sides. So it seems he's gotten surgery um, and he's now going to be all good. He'll probably be better than ever. So he might get you quite a few more points than as he's not going to be playing with pain anymore. Um, just looking at one more injury, uh, can we look at an update on Tyler Sagan? 
Yeah, so Tyler Sagan, as I mentioned a few weeks ago, he underwent hip label surgery on November 2nd. It seems he's progressing well since then, and he's looking to return in March, which is earlier than was predicted. This is good news, obviously, for fantasy owners as um, they can make some use of him this season rather than we were not sure how much he would play. All right, that sounds good. Um, thanks for the report, Victoria. No problem. And um, just to remind you guys, uh, follow us uh, on Instagram at Podcast Fantasy Fanatics. Follow us on Facebook at Fantasy Fanatics Podcast. You can check out this podcast on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. So make sure that you like and comment and share. Leave some reviews for us. And um, as we mentioned earlier about the hockey pool, the link will be in the description below. So feel free to check that out. Uh, thanks again.